Hello and welcome to Too Fast, Too Forever. There's all kinds of family, we chose this one. This is episode 236.3 from 1991. I'm Joey Lewandowski. I'm Joe Two. And this episode's brought to you by Magic the Gathering, where you can play with cards like the Thieving Skydiver from the Zendikar Rising Ooh. set. Shout out to Magic the Gathering. Well, shout out to Magic the Gathering and Wizards of the Coast and Hasbro, I think. Walt writes about magic, because magic is very hot right now with pandemic and everything. It? They make lots of, yeah. A lot of money. Like it re. I mean, like Magic's been around forever, but I mean, like it's yes. it's hot. I, yeah, that makes sense because like Pokemon cards came back hard. Magic, yes. I'm sure too. Yep, yep. So shout out to all of them and welcome to Too Fast Too Forever. After the break, we will be talking about Point Break, the original, not the remake, which I have not seen. Did you have? Have you seen the remake? You know that this remake. I know that there's a remake. I was gonna ask you about it on the back half because I was like, I can't imagine it comes even close to being as good as. No, this I never. Saw, there was something that I was like, I was like, I, ne- I, I never had interest in it. I don't think it's very good, but there was someone involved either in the making or the acting or something where I was just like, oh, I want to see that. Like, there's some actor, and like, I looked today, I'm like, I don't know who that was. Like, I either like missed them or like I was, I confused things or something, but like, I don't know what my attraction for like one moment in time was toward the remake, but I've never seen it. You know, I'm sure it's not terrible, but you know, when this exists, why would you not watch this, right? So, exactly. Yeah. Anyway, extracurricular activities. Joe, what have you been up to since we last spoke? Um, nothing. I have a busy weekend planned, which I will talk all about when I get back, uh, taking a little trip here shortly, but, um, I have, no, the thing you're doing is in, is in New York, right? Is it no. in New York? Where is it? Vegas. Oh, why did my, oh, I know why. Okay. My dad said big weekend for New York, but I know why because of the thing affiliated with New York and what's going on at the thing. But yes, Vegas. Okay. Yes, 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 cool. yes. Okay. So Yes. I oh by the time this comes out I'll be back cool and um, I'll have plenty to talk about then but I haven't been up to much since I was like you know planning prepping kind of stuff for that one thing I wanted to say is that we watched the Abercrombie documentary on Netflix have you heard I've about heard this? it's bad like the documentary is bad or the content is bad well i i've heard that uh i mean i guess both i guess the answer the, the short answer is both um i i've not heard good things about the documentary but i also you know haven't really heard too many people who actually seen it the documentary maybe is not great like as a document it's not like super captivating the way it's edited or things like that but the idea of like a documentary about abercrombie and like the shit that it went through it was such like a big thing at the time that we were like of the age to experience it is very fascinating. So like, you know, it's I called always white hot, the rise and fall of Abercrombie and Fitch. Yeah, there you go. That's the name of it. I knew, you know, that Abercrombie got in trouble for pretty much like, you know, being racist and stuff like that, but I didn't know how bad it was. So if you have any nostalgia for Abercrombie or just like grew up in that era, it's fascinating to watch because uh, it was way worse than I ever thought it was. <laughs> like, openly bad. They said the quiet parts out loud many times as a company. It's just wild to see. So um, it's a fun drunk watch, especially if, you know, you or someone you know loved Abercrombie. Uh, it's fun to think about now being, like, an adult and being like, holy fuck, I can't believe we lived through that and didn't know how... Like, I don't know. It just wasn't, like, as open knowledge kind of you know what i mean 
Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Something just interesting to watch that we watched recently that I was like, holy shit, told a bunch of people at work about it. If you like nostalgia and stuff like, if you like bad nostalgia, it's great for that. Yeah, I've heard that it just becomes basically an aver- like an advertising for the new Abercrombie. Like, no, that's like five minutes at the end. Like they're like, hey, like look, like we're not sh- shitbags anymore. Ninety-eight percent of it is like this is the horrible shit that happened, and that's you know the more fascinating part. So, cool. Anything else of note or no? Um, no, that's about it. How about you? What have you been up to? Well, as I told you last week, I finally completed, I, I beat Elden Ring, which I'm very, very excited about. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, like 112 hours, I think was the final count or something. Uh, I beat, we recorded a Wednesday, so I think on, yeah, it was on Thursday, I beat the boss that I was stuck on. Then like I was, you know, story-wise, I had the final boss to do. And so, you know, I've, I've gone back in a couple times just to play around a little bit because you can do New Game Plus, like just keep your same character, same stuff, and just like everything's harder and just sort of start from scratch. And you can do that, oh. I think, like six or seven times. Oh, uh, I cool. keep toying with that idea, but I'm like, I don't want to, like, I'd rather do other stuff. Especially you haven't this... like 100%ed it, you just beat it. No, I mean, I, I don't think, I think it would take hundreds and hundreds of hours to 100% it. I, I did basically everything of major note that I could do. Okay. But like the New Game Plus is like literally just. You go through the With same like game from the start. Everything that you've ac- accumulated in the game. Yes. And not everything, but like most things, like the other things that really matter. And like every, okay. you know, all you, like you fight all the same bosses, but they all have more health. They all do more damage, all that sort of stuff. Right. So okay. I've not done that yet because I just, you know, the, the company that made it this from software who did like Dark Souls and Demon Souls and Bloodborne and all this different stuff. Like I've never played any of those games. So I'd rather do those for the first time before oh, I spend fun. another whatever dozens hundred whatever hours playing the same game again but it's still you know it's great um i feel like i've done so many things oh last thursday i went to the devil's game because we got invited by one of our clients who i will not name it's really cool but you know yeah it was the devil's game and they had some like technology stuff on display there which was cool like you know devil's one right playing with no devil's lost five two Really? To the fucking Sabres? I know they were mm-hmm. playing the Sabres. Oh, God. The end of the hockey season has been really weird, and this has been, like, one of the first seasons where we've had a lot of, like, we're going to rest guys type situations. Oh, okay. Interesting. Which never really happens in the NHL. That's something that happens in baseball a little bit and football, football for, for sure. sure. Yeah. And yeah. basketball, too. So I guess yeah. it was it was time for the NHL to catch up. Yeah, it kind of makes sense, but it's kind of, like, frustrating you know, oh, fantasy yeah. wise, fan wise sure. type situation. So Yeah, we finally in our baseball league voted this year. We've like been talking about it for years, but we finally voted this year to end the season one week early. Like it was always I'm just thinking about that with with our fantasy hockey league because it's been like so fucky this past like two weeks of just weird shit. But yeah. Because, like, in baseball, like, pitchers don't really go the full, like, like you know, a pitcher normally goes, not anymore, now everything's crazy, but, like, a pitcher normally go, like, six innings or whatever, and, like, they're like, oh, there's four four innings, or, like, people just, they want to rest after the playoffs or whatever, so, like, it's cool because the last day of the regular season, every game is at three o'clock, so, like, if the final, if the championship is close, it it has cool, like, there's there's a nice, like, built-in tension there, because everything's happening at the same time, so yes. you either, like, make That's a really round cool. or whatever, but... Yeah. When your guys aren't playing, it's like, well, what are we doing here? So we're finally, you know, we're going to end the season one week early and just, you know, the last week of the regular season, just there's no fantasy for us, which is fine because it's just, you know, it's better than the alternative, I think. I, I agree. Yeah, I'm, I'm debating the same thing for our league next year because I'm getting frustrated with this. Like, it's just been wacky bullshit. But yes, 
So then Saturday, oh Saturday morning, there was a there's this annual book sale uh, in my ca- in the county that I grew up in. That's huge, um, and they didn't have the last two years because of COVID, but they've had it back this year. And so I went with my mom, and it was good. It's I got huge. a lot of books. It's like you know two bucks for a, a hardback or like you know trade paper, like whatever, and just you know so I got lots of good books there, which is good. Because then a book related Bob came down, or Bob came up. On Saturday to do a uh, How to Win the Lottery, which cool. was we haven't done one in a while because we were reading a thousand-page book. Um, so we finished that. So we did that. I uh, did a long episode that'll be out this Thursday, not was tomorrow's record, but next week. Yeah, book's great. Book's awesome. Awesome. Bob has read it three times. I'm actually starting to reread it like very slowly because I just like there's so much to take in, and I feel like I missed stuff, like a lot of stuff. So I'm just rereading it now, um, as I also read the next book that we're going to cover and whatever. So. Uh, yeah, so that's good. That the book is called "The Instructions" by Adam Levin. Um, so if anybody out there wants to, it's it's not depressing. Uh, well, I mean, it, it can it, you know kind of is, but you know, it's not like depressing in the other way that other things that I've talked about are. But if you want to read a very long good book or just listen to our episode about it, "The Instructions" by Adam Levin comes out next Thursday, the fifth, Cinco de Mayo. So oh, keep it out nice. for that. Cool. Oh, we did two episodes of. 1999 on the podcast this week, because episode two, which is Star Wars The Phantom Menace, will be out by the time this episode comes out, because okay. that comes out on Monday, so we recorded that episode last night, and then John and I also did an episode with uh, about the Blair Witch Project, so we did two oh, that's fun. good movies, good episodes, yeah, so th- those are every other Monday, as John both succinctly and confusingly said on our last episode, that's every true, other yeah. Monday, he's got an episode every Monday, but it alternates with Hard to Believe. And then what else? Is there anything of note that I've seen? Oh, I saw The Northman with Bob, the new David Eggers. Uh, no, the new Robert Eggers. David Eggers is the author. The new Robert Eggers movie. Do you Have you seen advertisements for this? Do you know Robert Eggers, the guy who did The Witch and uh, The Lighthouse and stuff? Okay, yes. I know that now. So The Northman is Somebody's the Alexander Skarsgård movie where it's okay. just like a revenge. Like it's basically Macbeth. Um, it's him and Nicole Kidman and Ethan Hawke and Anya Taylor-Joy. And ah, that's right. Yep. It's great. Yep, it yep. rules. It's awesome. So we were looking forward to this for a while, and it's great. Is so it I'm A24 to too? That. I don't know. Let's see. Is is that on here? No, it's Focus and Perfect World and Square Peg. I don't think that Eggers is... No, Eggers is the witch for them. I don't know. And I, I guess said, yeah. with them too, yeah. I, I don't think that A24 is involved with the Northmen. They, but, this... but I think the lighthouse was like one that was like, do you know this weird deal that A24 had that like A24 got money from Showtime if they made like exclusive, do you know this? No, maybe, what is it? A24 had this deal with Showtime where like if they made exclusive movies for Showtime, Showtime would pay them like out the ass for it. And like, so they had this deal, so like, Five movies a year would be like A24, but also come out for Showtime. And I think The Lighthouse was one of those. And like that's when I found out because I was like, oh, like it didn't get a theater release or something. No, it did. It did? It did. So a smaller theater release than usual for an A24 movie. Well, I mean, so A24 is like an indie darling, but they make way more movies a year than you have any idea that they make. Like, No, I have, I have they... the fuck it. I'm subscribed to the collection. So every time they release a new movie, I see it. So I get that, like, they make a ton of movies and, like, some of them are popular. But, like, I see every movie that comes out is what I'm saying. Like, I'm notified of every movie that comes out. Yeah, like, so they make – because they're not – they're culty, but they're not, like, supremely – like, they're not a huge studio. And so The Northman was, like, this sort of, like, they they went and they – meaning just, like – 
the filmmakers, the whatever. Like, this is like a $70 million movie or something like that. So, like, or $40 million. Yeah, that's like, it's was... a huge, a huge budget that, like, A24 does not normally mess with. But yep. A24 does, like, a lot of, like, straight to, div- straight to digital and whatever. And so, the, the deal, it sounds like, that they have with... Um, Showtime is not really unusual. Like, you know, a lot of a lot of distributors will have, like, deals with, like, some kind of outlet or whatever to, like, promote their thing or whatever. I don't yes. know. But. Yeah, it was, like, a weird thing. I only found out about it, and I only thought about it because I remembered it from when The Lighthouse came out. Gotcha. Okay, cool. Um, but, yeah, The Northman's great. Uh, I highly recommend it if you just want, like, badass Nordic revenge stories. Um but it's basically Alexander Skarsgård and Anya Taylor-Joy, Taylor and uh, great. Really, really good. So recommend that. And then I think that's it of note. So we have a Patreon page, Too Fast, TooFever.com. Shout out to Cassie Wilson, Ben Milliman, Nick Burris, Alex Ellen, and Justin Kleiman, Brian Rodriguez of High School Ooh. Slumber Party, back from a mini hiatus. Haley Gerbys, West Hampton, Jerry Robinson, Dan the Duke, Hayden Renato DiDonato, Michael McGann, Lane Middleton, Lindsay Lewandowski, Nate Milton of the Kings of Sport, Jason Rainey, and Jessica Collins, a.k.a. Mon. Tez, thank you all so much for supporting the $5 a month level or above. If you want to get in on the fun, again, too fast, forever.com. Even a dollar in a month gets you in the door, and you get to vote on the heist stuff. It's very exciting. It's super exciting. I think about Montez a lot now because the Pirates are playing baseball in the actual real life. Montez. Oh, yes. Is dating a Pirate. So I think every time I see him, I'm like, man, Vanessa Hudgens' boyfriend is out here again. And yep. I think about Montez as well. Montez, the queen of the desert, queen of Coachella, Vanessa Hudgens, Gabriela Montez. Yes. Which, actually, that was funny, because he was, like, he was batting, and Rachel was, like, telling me, like, oh, like, she's at Coachella right now. And I'm mm-hmm. like, that's right. She, like, has to be an influencer kind of person. He's playing baseball, so he can't be at Coachella with her, you know? Yeah. So she's just, like, running yep. around Coachella taking Instagram pictures by herself. Well, she's she's... Done the, and she's done she's managed to turn the Coachella thing from like a joke into a thing that she like legitimately makes money on and is like you know people wait for her and like the outfit she's gonna wear like it just she's she's it's weird but like she's she's really made it work so shout out to yeah uh, no judges on Montez. it I'm just saying just like you know she's out there doing her job and like you'd think it would be like oh we can go to Coachella together but you're like you play baseball so you play like six games a week or whatever and yep. like he mm-hmm. can't be there so and it's not like it's really convenient. Like, even if they were in L.A., it's like, you know, it's it's three or four hours in by car. I guess they got a chopper or whatever. I don't know. It's still, it's not convenient. So, no. you know, shout out to Cole Tucker. Exactly. Pirates, shortstop. Um, but yeah, TooFastTooFever.com if you want to get in, vote on every movie. We're picking someone for the heist. So if you want to vote on that, if you want bonus episodes, early access, access to the minute documents, the quiz, TooFastTooForever.com. We have an email address family at cageclub.me. We've got a handful of emails from Wes. Subject line, heist lap. What up, fam? What up, Wes? How are you doing, bud? This was an email that he sent us basically as we were recording the last episode. So I think it's about maybe the one before or whatever. But he says, I'm looking forward or I'm excited for the heist movie lap. Mrs. Wes and I love a good heist movie like most of the world, it seems. By the way, feel better, Mrs. Wes. We know that she banged herself up. Yes, Yes, she did. So we know that she's catching up on Too Fast, Too too Furious right now. Her favorite podcast. Her favorite podcast. So like when she gets this episode, just know... That we feel bad for you, and that we hope you feel better. Yes. Also, if you if you're you know she's she's fine. She's gonna be fine. It's not like it's you know 
Oh yeah, yeah, she's totally yeah. I just want people listening to be like, what, what happened? Yeah, no, she's she's, she, she's not dying. <laughs> she's okay. Wes says, I'm looking forward to checking out some that I haven't seen before along with Lap. Here are some quick notes. Jordan was a great guest. It was a lot of fun to have her back on the show after such a long time away. True. Your debate, parentheses, argument about the heist team was some of the best on-air content you've had in a while. It was a lot of fun listening to everyone try to justify their picks. I'm glad that you liked it. I also greatly enjoyed it. And I really like this idea of building a heist team a lot. I posted my suggestion of everyone building individual teams and having the patrons vote on a patron team before I realized you're also picking from every movie. That's a lot of characters to track. It's like the class action lawsuit of a heist team. In the end, each member will have like $1.27 as their payout. <laughs> I'm still building my own team, and I'm sticking to just the FNF movies. Well, you're welcome to do that, sir. I'm mm -hmm. glad that you're playing along. Playing along at home is a lot of fun, so thank you. Which brings me to my pick. Before anyone on the show made their choices, I was thinking Jesse, who was what Jordan nominated. I assume he will be on level with whatever the technology is at the time of the heist, Fair. so I'm not worried about that. But what the team really needs is a super mechanic. I know everyone in the movies now is a super mechanic, but they don't have just the mechanic specialist. It's the thing that everyone does. It's a, role, it's a role kind of taken for granted. Tej kind of started toward that path, but they made him the hacker. I hoped once Ramsey came in, they would have shifted him back to the mechanical-based stuff, but now he's just the tech guy. I want a MacGyver character, and I think that it realistically should be Tej in the films, but it definitely could have been Jesse if he hadn't died. I mean, in F9, they try to make it seem like his thing is circuits. It's like, that's not a thing that, you know, there's no evidence that he's been circuits for, like, a, for two decades. That's true. And the thing with Jesse is, like, he was, like, the designer, but we never see him really wrenching, right? It's always, like, Dom and Brian doing the work. Mm -hmm. So, like, True. so that's that's my kind of caveat there if you want the mechanic. But it's amazing that you and Wes fell on the same theory because you picked Jimmy for his mechanic abilities in, too. So perfect. Yes, and I think he messaged that to us on Facebook. I think he's like, you you know, you're, th you're thinking for Jimmy. It was the same thing for mine, but I'm like, I don't think we got to have email yet. But, yes, agree. Like, you need a mechanic. It's just a matter do. of... I agree. For the F2 minute on sets of wheels being actual wheels versus cars, I always assumed they were talking only about sets of rims, but now I'm not sure because Joey's argument makes sense too. We were saying that like Roman got put away for like wheels. sets of wheels. So Wes was on my side and thought it was rims as well. Rims but and then tires. I made such I made such a compelling argument. He's like, oh, I think maybe that's did. true. I think you did. The only thing I would say with the jail sentence is rims can be expensive and the penalty would be related to the value of stolen goods in his possession. So depending on the value of the rims, mm -hmm. he might have gotten several years. Plus, it might have been a chop shop situation where someone else stole the cars and he's just taking the rims to resell them while the rest of the vehicles are divided up among other individuals. I'm leaning more toward Joey's interpretation now, but it could go either way. I don't think we ever came to like a solid conclusion, but both made sense to me in different ways. Yeah. Mrs. West got very lucky and ended up with a South by Southwest platinum badge this year, and it was at the South by Southwest premieres for everything, everywhere, all at once, and the unbearable weight of massive talent, both movies that I've seen that I've talked highly about on this show. Yes. For unbearable weight, she happened to be sitting just 10 feet from Nicolas Cage. Oh, my God. Pedro Pascal and Jimmy Simpson, who was there for other projects. She liked them both a lot, but she couldn't stop talking about how much she just loved everything, everywhere, and how much she wanted to see it with me. I took the day off on Monday. We finally made time to see it together. I loved it and luckily knew nothing about it going in. I don't know anything about it. I'm planning to watch it soon. Rachel's hype on it. And I just saw like semi-press tour stuff about it on like the morning news as I was drinking coffee this week. So I'm excited. It's great. 
everybody everybody that I trust has said it's great. Actually, my sister asked me about it too. She was like, "Do you think this movie is good?" Because like a lot of people I don't trust say it's good, and I was like, "That's funny," because like everybody I do trust said it was good. So <laughs> yeah, let's see what the actual uh, what the number on Letterbox is at right now, because it was at a four point six average, which is just absolutely insane. Everything, everywhere, all at once is still at a 4.6. So, Insane, yeah. Yeah. One last thing right before I started writing this, I saw Vin Diesel's post about the new movie. Well, this is an old post because there's newer posts about the movie. Oh, yeah. We finally have a title and a logo after F9 and his photo of his kid with FX shaved his hair. I wouldn't have been surprised if that had been the title. I also thought it could be Fast X Furious because it sounds like Fast and Furious. Fast mm. X makes the most sense to me, though, because we've known for a long time that it's going to be a two-parter but didn't know what to call them. I'm now 95% sure we're going to get Fast X and Furious X. F6 was originally going to be two movies. The first one just called Fast and the second one called Furious. So this fits that theme. To be honest, I don't hate it. In fact, I like it more than calling them Part 1 and Part 2. Agreed. The only thing I'm dreading is the inevitable resurgence reworking of the Fast 10-year seatbelts meme. It's my least favorite joke about the franchise, and it never dies. I will, however... <laughs> Be okay if they want to use it in the marketing as a wink to the fans. Which they did. did. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, if they don't use it in the marketing, it's a real missed opportunity. It's a a lot like the going to space thing. It was such a played out joke that I dreaded them doing it. But I think there's a way to do it that says they recognize the memification of the franchise while still being clever and not becoming a parody of themselves. That's it for today. Until next time, stay furious, Wes. But I think it's a good point. I agree that if they go Fast X, Furious X, I will really enjoy that better than Part 1 and Part 2. Or 10 and 11, or any other iteration of that. It works best. Then, later that day, someone bought four t-shirts of Brian Supra from our shop. I don't know why he bought four, but thank you, whoever that is, bought four copies of Brian Supra. Don't know the size, don't know the color, don't know anything about it, but The new logo. So, thank you. Yes, the new logo. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Congrats. Wow. I wonder who, but why did you need four? Now I have many questions. I know. I don't know. I have so many questions now. Damn it. If you bought the four, please tell us who you are. Yes, please. And why did you need four? I mean, like, I'm happy you bought four. Like, do you literally have four friends that also listen to this show? That's insane to me. Three friends. I I doubt that. It's probably four different colors for the same person. I don't know. Uh, yeah, okay, yeah, I need an explanation, please. Family at cageclub.me. Although if you're buying four shirts, you know the email. Yeah. Almost certain. Then we got a YouTube comment, which is actually productive, a good comment. Stephanie Page commented okay. on our video for the Long Kiss Goodnight, which we covered a couple Christmases ago. Yes. And Stephanie said, I'd love to see Dove Cameron or Lily Reinhardt play Sam's daughter in a future sequel. And Sam's daughter, that's Gina Davis, the main character. Yes. So, do you know Dove Cameron, Lily Reinhardt? Do you know those names? Or are those nope, two millennial, two Gen Z names for you? Two Gen Z names from you. So, Dove Cameron has one of the biggest songs in the world right now with Boyfriend. It's always on the radio. Okay. Um, she's also been, she was in, in, in The Descendants. She was on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. She's been in a bunch of places. Okay. And then Lily Reinhardt's one of the stars of Riverdale. So, okay. you know, two attractive, popular, Gen Z type, millennial fan, whatever, uh, to play Gina Davis's daughter. So, agree. I cool. would love more Long Kiss Goodnight. Next email, also from Wes, or once again from Wes, with no subject. He says, what up, fam? What up, Wes? I remember when Millennium came out. This is the show that I was saying that was made by the guy who made The X-Files, but isn't very good. Yes, yes, I remember when Millennium came out. I was so hyped on it because it was late 90s and I was 12. I don't think I watched more than a handful of episodes. I love The X-Files, but never made it through Millennium, which, agree. Hard agree. 
He says, this was a tough choice for the heist crew member. Oh, this is for Too Fast. He says, Monica was my first thought, Monica Fuentes. Yes. Because she's the most competent, but she's a cop and doesn't seem like she's ready to turn bad. Yep. Maybe instead I'll pick Suki because the fact that she did the jump in the first race tells me she has no problem fully committing to a plan and rolling with the punches, even when the outcome isn't certain. Feels a little weak to me, but it's a shallow bench to pull from here. Until next time, stay furious, Wes. Well... I will unveil now. I actually don't know the final vote. Okay. Of course. Of course. So <laughs> Tied. team choice number three. So in third place with two votes, 25% of the votes. We had eight votes. Two votes went to Monica Fuentes, nominated by John Brooks. Okay. And then, Joe, you know what it means. If, if third place has two of eight, that means the first tied for first with three votes each Jimmy, as nominated by me, and Tej, as nominated by you, are both the winners, or not winners, but whatever, but they'll both be in the pool to be drafted at the end of the lap. So, congratulations to Tej and to... Jimmy. Jimmy. MC Jin. I am now three for three. I mean, one's a tie, but <laughs> compelling arguments. I'm looking for all the little victories here. Yeah. But thank you for writing in Wes. I don't know, actually, I want to see if Wes... I think, because I looked earlier... Oh, Wes did vote. He voted for Jimmy. Okay, cool. Because I was like, remember, he, he was like, oh, I, you know, the same thing. He just wrote in that email or whatever. And then at one point, he hadn't voted yet. I'm like, I need this vote, Wes. <laughs> yeah. you, you clearly side with me. Come on, man. And then he did. So, oh, from Alex for the heist for Too Fast, subject line 2F2F. Okay. Dark Horse heist candidate from 2, Fonzie. I mean, he clearly has some legit creds. He ends up in Jaconde's crew in Furious 7. What aren't they telling us? Interesting. That's a good point. Good, very good point. But it, is he playing the same character? Because he's like a stunt. It, like, is are we sure it's Fonzie playing Fonzie and not Fonzie playing someone else? In but yeah, that's a good point. If he, if it's the same character, yeah, he has some dark dark history going on, and might be way more competent when, than we think he is. I agree. We have one more email that I will get to when we get to the news segment, but if you want to email in family at cageclub.me, please and thank you. Yes. I also want to check. I have not checked in a while. Let's take a look on iTunes, on Apple Podcasts, and see if anybody knew. I always have I have the tendency to like just search for Apple on my phone, and it's like, no, everything's Apple. Just call <laughs> podcasts. Yeah. Any new reviews? No, no new reviews since... Lane reviewed us in October. So if you want to leave us a nice review, five-star review, hopefully, please, thank you. Go to Apple Podcasts or wherever you leave reviews, whatever you listen to, wherever you listen, and just do that thing, please, and thank you. But, Joe, on the streets, who boy, news about the Fast and Furious. There's some news. So I'm going to go I'm gonna go chronologically, because it was like good news, interesting news, interesting news, and then, oh, okay. But first off, Helen Mirren's like, I hope I'll be back. I hope you'll see me. So, you know, probably. Cool. Very cool. Yeah. And we hope so, too. We love Helen Mirren. We, and we talked about this before. Like, she kind of transcends the, the Hobbs and Shaw, uh, Fast and Furious feud situation. So, like, give us more Helen Mirren. I'm fine. Put her in everything. I don't think anybody will have a problem with it. She transcends them having a tiff then charlize was posting pictures on instagram of her in an uh, in an elevator it looks like with a couple dummies that she beat up and she says she's back baby hashtag at fast x at the fast saga which we assumed i mean there's no way that charlize was not going to be in fast correct X. yeah yeah and then she posted again look who decided to join the party it's a picture of her and momoa and the fast saga replying to that with fire emoji fire emoji fire emoji beautiful so then while that's going on, Vin Diesel, 
Mr. Vin Diesel posts a couple of things to Instagram. He posts a very long, overly emotional... I don't say it in a bad way, but just, you know, we were talking about this because this was a big thing on Twitter. And this kind of went, yeah. we, like, it went viral in a way that kind of annoyed me because I'm like, I put so much effort into, like, things that we do here and nothing really goes viral. And then me just saying, like, hitting us in the feels has, like, hundreds of likes. I'm like, God damn it. <laughs> anyway, you were saying it, it reminds you of Kanye. And I'm like, I think it's because it's, like, overly emotional in a way that, it's like. that. And it was kind of like, like, um, like stream of consciousness. Like, it was, like, one of those things where, like, if you're sitting there drunk and, like, he's talking and he's like, yeah, I was thinking about it and then I was thinking this and I was thinking this. And you're like, okay, like, you could have, like, you could have made a nice fit to print version of this, right? Yeah. So in case people have not seen this yet, here, I'm going to read it because it's not been edited. Like, you know, sometimes with, like, celebrity things... There'll be an Instagram post, and it'll be, like, edited, and either be, like, less crazy, or, like, there'll be, like, no comment or whatever, just, like, somebody who's just, like, hey, you know, let's rein it in or whatever, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Not edited. So this is this is the original. It's always been, yes. It starts, yes. Your opinion has always mattered. Don't know who he's talking to exactly. When the <laughs> F10 script came in, it excluded Mia Toretto. Which, which, is, which sounds ske- a little skeptical. A little I mean, skeptical of that. So we think about it, she leaves seven with Brian because Paul dies, and then they bring her back for nine, but it feels like now she's firmly in there, right? So like... Why would she not have been included in the script? It doesn't make any sense to me. Someone whom I've attributed the brotherhood of Dom and Brian to, I was so disappointed that I couldn't see how I could continue. And I do want to point out, so Fast X, the new script, the new screenplay was written by Justin Lin and this guy Dan Mazu, okay, who wrote Wrath of the Titans and, you know, nothing much of, of note. So it's basically a Justin Lin script, right? Okay. After all, I wasn't going to make another fast unless Brian was back in four, so going all the way back to number four. I don't need to remind you of the studio's petitions. You sent the studio for Letty's return at the end of five. I think he's talking to the fans, I think, right? Yeah, yeah, this is all your opinion matter. I, it's definitely mm-hmm. like he's speaking directly. Like, it just started out... Yes, fans of the Fast and the Furious. Mm-hmm. Like, if you just add that, boom. Okay. See, Side edit, note, edit. he writes. <laughs> yeah. Side note, he writes, you will never believe who corrected the very important role of Mia, my daughter, the Alpha Angel, who told the director very plainly and honestly, no Mia, no Fast 10. Haha. <laughs> the irony is of the day she was born, I was filming with Jordana and Pablo, Paul, and it was Jordana who I first told. Profound, right? There isn't yeah. a day that goes by that I don't want to turn back time, talk Pablo out of heading back to LA that Thanksgiving weekend. Which Oof. is kind of a kind of a shitty I mean, I can't imagine. Like I have thankfully, I have not had like a really close friend die, so I can't imagine like, you know, literally making a thing with somebody that you've worked with for 12 years. And then just like, you know, it's like you go to Pittsburgh and then like, you know what I mean? Just like, just gone, right? So just like, that, I can't but imagine. It's like, but it's like, what would you have said, like, if I'm like, hey, I'm going back home for Christmas. And you've been like, man, I wish I would have talked you out of going home for Christmas. And you're yeah, like, I don't know. Like, I, I don't, I don't really hold it against him. Because I think it's just, it's grief being like, I wish things were different. Like, I wish he hadn't died. But it's still like, it's not, you know, it's not, it's not your decision or it's not what, I don't know, whatever. Every fast film I make must, at the core, always honor my brother Pablo. In the real world, I will always look after his family, because in the real world, he is family. When his daughter asks me to walk her down the aisle, I tear up, 
and then do with pride and honor. When his mother asked me to bring Brian back to the screen, well, I don't have to tell you how serious I take that. Fast could never have been here without the profound love and brotherhood between Dom and Brian established in 2001. Yeah, I'm talking too much, but damn, life is short and your comment touched me and hit a chord. Thank you for believing me in us. No idea. I won't rest until I make you, him, and the universe proud. All love, always. Yeah. So then Jordana says, I love you, brother. So this post has like 1.7 million likes. Jordana says, I love you, brother. Got 15,000 likes. Michelle Rodriguez responds and said, ain't that the truth? Got 4,800 likes. Tyree says, vroom. Love the poetry. <laughs> love your heart. That's got 9,000 likes. Wild, wildly, <laughs> wildly off base, Tyrese. But thank you for joining in again. <laughs> so then people are commenting on this post. Uh, like the original post for Fast X, like the day one, whatever. And people, and he's like responding to people, and like these are kind of edited, so who knows what. But like he's like listening, taking these things to heart, and like responding to fans, just like this clearly means so much. Okay. Then five days ago, he posts a twenty-second video with him and Justin Lin. Did you watch this yesterday? I saw a screen grab of it. No, you you need to watch this. I'm gonna put the audio in here. So listen to this. It's 19 seconds long. What do you think, Justin? Week one. Just finished week one. How does it feel? Feels like the beginning of uh, of an epic ending. Is it fair to say that this will be the best one? In my heart, yes. Oh! Okay, he's very reluctant. So this video, as you just heard, is Vin basically saying, like, isn't this thing that we're making the greatest thing? Justin Lin's like, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Definitely. <laughs> And uh, so that was five days ago. So then yesterday, as we record this on Tuesday, the 26th, on Alien Day of all days, to ruin Alien Day, news breaks that Justin Lin has dropped out of directing Fast 10, Fast X. He's going to stay on as producer. Wild. But due to creative differences, he is no longer directing this film that just started filming last week. What are they, like, are they going to use his script? Like, this is going to turn into... The room so quickly. I've seen, obviously, there's a lot of tweets, a lot of thoughts out there. Someone saying that they hope that we get a final frontier for Vin Diesel because, like, Leonard Nimoy directed Star Trek V. Okay. Which I don't think is very well received. Okay. The with Star Wars or Star Trek movies is that the, the even number ones are great and the odd ones are not as good. Okay. So I haven't seen any of them, but five, last time I checked, five is an odd number. Yeah. Um, so I don't know that it's great. So, I mean, look. We, we we try to be positive on the show. I would love one day to talk to Mr. Vin Diesel. I think it would be amazing. Yes. That said, there are very few people who have the power or the authority to, like, usurp Justin Lin. And even yeah. though we don't know what happened, I think it's kind of clear what probably happened. Yeah, I think that the creative differences can only be between two people. Because, like, Chris Morgan left. Like, right, Chris Morgan is now on the Hobbs and Shaw side of things. Which is... So... That, and that could have been bad or could have been fine. We don't know, but it's... Like, like, that's a choice. And he's like, hey, you know what? Hobbs and Shaw's starting. I'm just going to head over there and do all the Hobbs and Shaw things. And you're like, yep. okay, cool, whatever. And so, you know, if you think about the architects of the franchise, there's basically three people, right? There's Vin Diesel... There's Chris Morgan. Yep. 
and there's Justin Lin. Yep. And one of them is gone. And now it seems like maybe the one pushed the other out to a certain extent, right? Like, staying as a producer means you're, you might not even be on set. You might just be, like, you know, watching dailies or even, you know, who knows? And what we always say is, like, there's great tonal and story shifts when Justin Lin is not involved. I, again, I said this, after you said this, like, it, it unlocked something in my mind. I kept saying it for, like, every guest for a while, but your whole idea of, like, looking at nine like it was fast four and being like, you know, five was so good. So imagine what he's going to do with ten. I'm like, that's so yeah. – you're right. Yeah. And now, don't know. And he seemed that he had ideas, right? Like Apparently that did not include Jordana Brewster. But I don't think that he could have – see, this is what's so hard for me to believe is that, like, okay, we say that, right? We talk about, like, you know, the four, five, six arc. The other thing that I argue all the time is that he gives us so much fan service. Is Vin trying to take the credit for the fan service with that first post and be like, it's me who, like, is the one that goes to space and stuff? Or were we somehow falsely attributing the touches that exist in Justin Lin, Fast and the Furious's about fan service, which I think can't be true because they don't exist in like eight and seven right yeah like those aren't as like quirky and weird and don't have the like surreal where superhero moments or going to space or any of these things that we get in nine that i'm like oh fuck look like justin lynn's back like we get these again but vin takes credit for it with the first post of being like i brought jordana brewster back i brought letty back i brought paul back well, not even taking credit, he's just like, I listen to you, the fans. Like, he's, it, it almost feels preemptively like he's like, you know what's up, and I want to listen to you. And I'm going to deliver for you. Yeah. But I don't think that he did <laughs> in 8 at all. And Justin Lin wasn't there. So I'm saying, like, the, the you could say that, but the evidence is kind of pointing me in a different direction here. Yeah, you're you're not wrong. I so the, the question now is who's going to direct it? It feels like the obvious answer is, is Vin. Vin Diesel. Yeah. In spite of his celebrity and his, his proximity, I don't know that Universal would trust a two hundred million dollar or whatever it's going to cost project to essentially a first time director. I know he did Los Bondolaris. I know he's done like you know short, yeah. short films or whatever. But like, okay, <laughs> like as far as <laughs> movie making is concerned, he's a first time director. Yes, I agree. So he seems like the obvious choice, but also a long shot. Very uh, long. Reaction Rocket and Vivek were talking in our Twitter replies, and Vivek says James Wan doesn't seem to have anything on his plate other than Aquaman 2, but that seems like two huge movies to do at the same time. I don't know if that's going to happen. Yeah, because it's like, it started shooting, so like, they're going to send everyone home? What script are they using? Can they make parts of the movie without a director? Doesn't seem like it. So in, in theory, like when you're making a movie, there's like the second unit director who does like stunt work because it's, it's generally stuff that main cast is not in. Okay. I mean, yeah. it, it depends on the thing, but like, you know, cl classically, like in the ni 90s movies, like helicopter stunts and whatever, whatever, it's people who like aren't, you know, it's not your, it's not Arnold Schwarzenegger jumping out of a helicopter. Yeah. It's just like, yep. it's a guy that looks like him or whatever. So generally, historically... You could do that kind of stuff, but you have the cast on set, so you're just gonna you let the them cast sit. On set. You're you're literally filming. You started filming last week, so yeah. 
I it, it doesn't it doesn't bode well. I don't think for the release date of whatever I said May May whatever oh, April yeah. whatever next year. So we'll find out. We're gonna it's gonna be a wild ride, man. And this like producer thing, like are you just a producer because you wrote most of the script? Are you actually gonna be the producer? I don't know. I'm very curious about it. It just actually just just gave me a bunch of questions. Like, I don't really have like thoughts or opinions on it. I love Justin Lin. I would love him to have been the director of this movie. I think that you can definitely tell which ones Justin Lin directed, and I think that he's core to the franchise, like you said, like a very, very, very important part. But now I'm just like more curious than anything, because like, what if Vin does direct this and it's like bad? Just bad, bad. You know, I, like I don't know. Like, and then I, he has to like eat the shit sandwich of like the okay, well, like you kicked off Justin Lin, you made a terrible Fast and the Furious to end this. Like, like I want to, I kind of want to see the chaos of that. I mean, so like Vin, obviously, and I, I, I don't doubt this for a second that Vin wants to put out the best Fast and Furious movie possible. He absolutely right? like, does. His intentions are baby. good. I agree, a thousand percent. But it's like fucking Elizabeth Holmes and Theranos over here. Like, mm. like I have a really great idea. Just need one drop of blood. Just a little bit of blood. All right, we just need, like, a normal amount of blood. So we have one more email, though. Okay. Subject line, Nas can't melt steel beams. Ooh. And this email is signed, No Knees Deep Throat Denise. This is our source on the inside. And says, guys, I just heard Justin Lin step down as director of Fast X, and I noticed he was a little blinky in the video Vin posted last week. A little blinky. Turns out he was using Morse code to send a message. His blinks spell out, and here is the thing that is sent to us by Noni's Deep Throat Denise. And if you translate that, it says Paul is alive. So, <laughs> that, well, I mean, Vin already confirmed it in his Instagram post fucking before that, so don't worry about it. So thank you to our, our source on the inside, Noni's Deep Throat Denise, who uh, decoded the Morse code. Of Justin Lin's eye blinks. Yeah. Blink blink this Morris code if Paul is alive. Anyway, if you want to email us, family at kdclub.me, we got things up in the air. Yeah, do, who, what do you got? Do, like, do, do people want Vin to direct F10? Like, is that a viable option? Does that sound like it would work to like people that are fans? I don't know. That's what I I'm curious about. Okay. Don't know. Is Dwayne John... <laughs> What if the rock? What if the rock directed Fast Ten? Uh, that will be fucking incredible. He's Vin, like, I'm we know, gonna bring we know in that, my you team. Know, we we know that you need a, a a new director, and we we love you. But there's somebody that we has a little bit more box office draw, a little bit more, maybe a little bit more behind the scenes magic. We're gonna go with Dwayne. What if the Rock just really hated Justin Lin and not Vin Diesel? And they were so they, he hated Vin Diesel because they were fighting about Justin Lin. It's yes, just like this is my guy, and Dwayne's like, he, that guy sucks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's a jabroni. <laughs> yeah, candy ass. And then he like, and now the Rock is definitely gonna be in Fast Fast X because now Justin Lin's gone. He's like, well, you got rid of that goober. So I'm assuming that's not the case, but maybe it is. You never know. We we have no idea. You know, just thinking. <laughs> but Dwayne Johnson's still not in Fast X, but he was in Young Rock Season 2, Episode 7, and Understanding. Yes. And I feel like there's a couple things, like, 
this is sort of telling like a before and after story, I think, in a couple different ways about yes. high school Dewey becoming a country singer, which who knows if that's going to pay off. But his parents meeting and then yep. also, you know, we see Rocky getting close to Vince McMahon, but also seeing him like, you know, in the young Dewey storyline. Right. But like yes. in this storyline, we see the fallout of that. Like he, you know, he tried to do too much and like got kicked out or whatever. Right. So I think there's, they're doing some interesting things in the storytelling that like the show normally kind of doesn't do. So I thought it was kind of interesting in that way. Um, When I saw it was a mid middle Dewey uh, episode, I was kind of like, mm, you know, these aren't usually my favorite, but this one I thought was the best of those for sure. I really did like the storyline. I like the the mom and dad meeting parts. I don't know how it really plays into the story. This felt like kind of like just a side quest. Yeah, I I don't know, and I you know it feels like, and I don't know the history of his parents. Like I don't know, but it feels like they get divorced based on this episode. Yeah, I I don't know if that's the case or not though. But it seems like it's setting up like the dad's doing stuff. Like I know they're obviously fighting, they're working through some things. But the way that it was like the story was told, I'm just like, did they? Is this like the beginning of the end? And I, I don't know. Yeah, I'm I'm unsure, but I f- it does feel like that to me too. It's just like creative differences, right? This is like it's it's you know it's it's Vin and the Rock. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like. No, because these two people, like, actually love each other. They just, like, you know, one makes wild-ass decisions, and the other one's, like, a little bit more stable, and, like, they both love Dewey, and they love each other, but, like, it's just, it's weird. No, because they're back together, like, when he's older, right? So, like... Are they? Yeah, there's, like, all those scenes, like, when he, like, comes back from, like, the Red Blacks, like, daddy... Oh, yeah, like, the college stuff and stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. So they definitely don't get divorced here, but, like, they, they were, they were struggling the one thing i really liked about this episode is that we we know where the name dewey comes from because his diaper was a little dewey he's like that's why you call me dewey so just like having a little bit of a wet diaper one time is now he's dewey forever which is kind of funny that is cute i i do like a good like like love will conquer all type story you know what i mean like that also feels very the rock right yeah like you know like well like his dad pretty much quit wrestling so he could marry his mom, and, like, everyone was mad at both of them. And then, like, yeah, that's cute. That I really like it. He mentions family in this one, by the way. What does he say? You guys just pretended like your dad didn't, like, you know, totally fuck this up with Vince McMahon, and he's like, look, man, when it comes to family, you gotta do what you gotta do, or something Ooh. along these lines. And I was like, oh, he, he dropped a family. They also have, in modern day, they have... um him sort of like what what it's been like what seems to be the season-long conflict of like confronting his bully yes just like effortlessly overcoming this by just like acting like a wrestler and just saying welcome to the show and he does the eyebrow just like hey man like i'm here like let's 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 work it out and like the audience seems to eat it up so just like okay sure you could have done that like four episodes ago but you know sure yeah he goes full the rock addresses it calls him a candy ass a jabroni and then yeah does the people's eyebrow and Everybody's like, okay, we're good. I'm just like, okay. But you're, we're getting close, man. It's weird. We're four days away from the election, according to this. So, like, my theory... Well, and, th- of- and I think there's probably three or four episodes left. So I think this I think this, this season is going to take us right up to the election. Night of the election, we don't know who wins. Yeah, the season... Yeah, it's probably going to end on, like, a, and the results are in. Yeah, okay. I think so, too. But my theory of them trying to end that... In the in the real presidential cycle, it, it was just, it's too much. Like if it was if we were a year closer, I can see yeah maybe, but like yeah, I don't think two more seasons between now and then, right? I agree. Yep. Maybe for a re-election. Maybe if he wins, they're going for a re-election by twenty four, right? Who knows? 
and then we just fast forward four years. Maybe, yeah, who knows? Because I don't think that like the show was about him being president. I don't know. Like you could you could tell these stories at any point, right? Like you could tell them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, any other notes? Any other thoughts about this episode? I like characters that like are well meaned but do dumb shit. Sure. Uh, I feel like that's very realistic. So like, how much of this is exaggerated or drama? I think that that part is conveyed very well. And I know a lot of people like that. I often feel like that myself. Like, you know, you like, you, with the best intentions, I did this. But, like, it all fell to shit. Mm-hmm. So uh, I don't mind seeing more episodes of his dad doing that. And I think the dad is actually a really, really great The mom, too, in, the, like, this show. But both of them, great characters. So uh, I agree. keep it rolling. The only other thing that I have is that the episode starts with them talking about how he won a Tony for playing Jean Valjean in Les Mis. So yes, he... it's funny that we're thinking, you know, between now and 2032, I guess he's going to, to, you know, be the lead in Les Mis, basically, and win a Tony for it. So Exactly. Yeah, he's like, you know, I was on Broadway. Joe, the, the final thing to do before we take a break, and I'm sighing, and you know why I'm sighing, is the Fast and the Furious Minute. Minute 59. A minute I called... Fast forward. We just got here. <laughs> yeah, that's a great name, by the way. Sit down. So you uh, lit my man's car on fire. Is that right? Yeah. I did. You see, I got a problem with authority. I have that same problem. For me, it's cops in particular. Take a walk. Come on. We just got here. Now we're leaving. Let's go. Hey. Come on. So in this minute, Brian, Roman, and Carter join Monica in sitting down in Carter's booth. There's a tense standoff where Roman and Carter share a, quote, problem with authority and even though they just sat down, Carter decides to bring them somewhere else as the minute. And, <laughs> and the we just got here line is a line that Monica says in the minute because there was such buildup. I think this is objectively unintentionally hilarious because there was such buildup so to getting to this thing and being like, oh, my God, he's staring at us from across the club. Like, we don't want to go We're over waiting there, blah, for blah, blah. him. She's going to send somebody. You know, take a seat. We're, we're, in, my, we're in my booth, whatever. Monica, full decompress right like arms up into the couch Mm -hmm. fully splayed they sit down and he's like so you let my car my guy's car on fire roman says i got a problem with authority he's like me too let's go (laughs) yep that's it that's just the whole thing (laughs) and you know we just rewatched too fast for the episode last week and i know that like i know that i was watching it like oh where's where's the next minute and i didn't have as clear in my mind how much of a waste of a minute this was because it's like we got to the thing we sit down there's this whole like ordeal there's like this bravado there's this standoff whatever and then immediately immediately let's get out of here yeah and and monica rightly says we just got here i literally just sat down yeah do we think that this is like a cocaine reaction 
I don't know. So <laughs> I, I think it's more just Carter being insane, right? Yeah. But so my question for you about the cops, right? Because the way that the minute is filmed, I wanted to talk about this. Go ahead. Yes, please. Go ahead. The movie makes it seem as like if Carter knows that Brian and Monica are both cops. Yes. So in literature, this is called dramatic irony, where the audience knows things that the character does not. In my mind, think about it rationally. I know that Carter is not rational. There's no way he knows they are cops because he would murder them. It's not like he's like trying to like prove to himself that he can like supersede the cops or whatever. No. So when he's like for me, it's cops in particular, and like the music swells, and we zoom and in on turns, Brian and Monica. But he turns to Brian, and Brian and Monica like awkwardly looking at each other. But they're cause... not. That's the thing. Brian and Monica are definitely not looking at each other because because Bri- Monica is behind Carter, mm-hmm. and when they finally show Carter's face again, she's staring kind of like into the distance, right? Like in between Brian and Carter. It's just, it's so weird, and, like, the way that it all comes together makes it feel very, very soap opera-y, and I know that, like, this is not necessarily, like, this is, again, my least favorite of Too Fast, but, like, uh, other, uh, any of the movies, this is my least favorite movie, but, like, it just makes it seem so dumb. It does. It really, really does. Carter's definitely looking at Brian. I don't think Brian is looking at Carter. Brian should be looking at Monica, but he's definitely not, because that would be like a huge be like if he's like, I hate cops, and he's like, huh? And just like turns. It's like, right. That would be pretty awful. So I think Brian's just kind of like gazing into the club, staring ahead, trying to not be like making eye contact, like, oh shit, is he talking about me? So I thought that Carter might be looking at Brian, being like, I have a hint that you might be a cop. But I think it's just like his uh, grandiose welcoming kind of situation. Cause he like is looking at Roman is like, and his mind is cops. And then he like looks at Brian to like see their reactions more so than accusatory. I'm just trying to like, cause the movie is saying to us, Carter is going to hate to find out that these two are cops or former cops or working with cops. Right. And like, we know that he's a criminal. Yeah. 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 Like it's not a surprise that a drug lord hates cops. So, like, what are you telling us here? I think it's just for dramatic tension for when they reveal that there's another cop, right? And he's going to, like, torture the the rat detective. Watching it in one-minute segment, it plays really badly. There is one great thing in this minute, though. Tell me. Which I don't know if I've noticed before. What? But as they're leaving... Roman yes. reaches for the spare cigar. <laughs> I have not noticed this, and, and I'm glad that we like watch this minute specifically for this. Carter goes, "Hey, come on," and just like stop. Hey, it. leave just, it. You no, know, he <laughs> takes what he wants. He takes his cutter. He takes the cigar. He's smoking, but he leaves him behind. And Roman, just being Roman, goes for it, and he goes, "Hey, come on." So no, he says, "Hey, leave it." I thought he says, "Now we're leaving. Let's go." And then he says, "Hey, come on." Okay, but yeah, and also, he just got in trouble for stealing the cigar cutter earlier, yep. and he mm-hmm. goes to steal from him again. <laughs> Amazing. Only once or something, right? Is there yeah. anything Is there anything you notice in this minute? Because, like, it's the same thing. We're, we're, there's, there's nothing going on. It's such a weird waste of a minute for our purposes. I really like the shot of the two guys, Elion and Fidel. At the, at the very end, the very, very end. Yeah, the very end of them before, like, facing them before they come down the hallway. I think that's a really good shot. I like the hallway. 
but there's also nothing in this hallway besides like fuzzy circled red club bullshit and like a couple candles at the back it's it's like very very weird that you'd what is this for like who goes in this hallway and why is it decorated but also not being used? Like, it's not even, like, a hallway to the bathroom or something like that. You know what well, I mean? Did you, did, you, did you mention the two people that passed by the very, very end, too? No, but they're, like, outside. It's, like, not even the same place because, like, the hallway doesn't lead to there. Well, like, as – so as they are walking down this hallway and Elio Fidel, there's, like, a, a, a quick insert shot. But then there's, like, like a, a man and a woman walking by behind them, like, looking at, like, ooh, what's going on over here? It's just, like, I, I don't know where this is. I don't know what I, – I don't – nothing about it makes sense. Yeah, I don't either. And the goddamn it, the pearl is a Hagen Dazs now, and we can't go check it out. Maybe this Wait, is like, what if what if the upstairs of the Hagen Dazs was just like a club? That's essentially what what it is. Yeah. No, like the pearl was upstairs because there's like shots of it, and it was like on the second floor, and the Hagen Dazs is underneath where it is, but in the same address. Like I think they just took out like, like they like blo- blocked off like what would be like the the street level entrance to go up to the club and that's the Hagen dazs and the club is still above like if you like look at the pictures of where the Hagen dazs is there's like still like the rooftop situation very exciting very exciting stuff we, so we need to go to the Hagen dazs to be like you gotta take us upstairs <laughs> i'm down to take a too fast road trip but we have to do the first movie first because like there's actual things supposed to like oh yeah we'll go to too fast and we'll we'll go to the Hagen dazs that was once the pearl it's like what why Where, what are you guys doing yeah it's so strange yeah so the for the first time in about ten minutes, a uh, song from the score kicks in. Whitworth and the Rat. So Rat Cop is Whitworth uh, okay. uh, by David Arnold. The trivia question. I don't know if this is a great one, but I don't know another one. I I thought the same thing. I didn't even look at yours until now, but um, it's it's a. But I got a better one answer like, for one. Go ahead. Quote: What is like the what's the right thing? What's the wrong thing? So for minute fifty nine, what does Roman have a quote problem with? The answer is authority. I wrote in there for Carter's line, cops in particular, and then I also have the law and the man, but you said you have a better answer for one of these? Yeah, like women. Okay. And then being hungry for another one. <laughs> Caloric intake or something real stupid. What? He's hunger. <laughs> yeah. What do you have? I got a problem with hunger. When Roman and Carter are talking in the Pearl... What does Roman say he has a, quote, problem with? The answer is authority. Yeah. You see, I got a problem with authority. With Although, hunger. like, Elliot and Fidel are not authority. Yeah. In no way are they authority. No, you're absolutely right. I didn't think about it until you just said that. Like. What an idiot. Like, they aren't cops. Like, did he think that they were cops? No. They're like the drug lord's henchmen. You knew this. They just met them. He definitely knew this. He's just punking guys who are following him. Like, I understand that, like, he doesn't want them, like, tailing him or whatever, right? Like, I don't want to say it's justified to let this guy, these guys, you know, car, like, the windshield on fire. But, like, it's not because they're authority. It's because these guys are, like, following after him, right? So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. But minute 59, we just got here. Roman has a problem with authority. Yeah, he does. Respect my authority. All right. Let us take a break. And let's come back and talk about Point Break.
is episode number 236, Point Break. This episode's brought to you by Magic the Gathering. When Thieving Skydiver enters the battlefield, if it was kicked, gain control of target artifact with converted mana cost X or less. Shout out to Magic the Gathering. Well, shout out to Magic the Gathering once again. Welcome back to Too Fast. Now we're talking about Point Break, the second pit stop in this heist lap. Now, I'm trying to think. Obviously, we've both seen this movie multiple times before. I've seen it a bunch. We both love it. Yep. Had you seen this before my quote-unquote going-away party when you came to visit? I was actually going to say that. No, I had not. I am very thankful to all of you guys. It was a fun way to view this film for the first time. Um, when Joey was moving to Texas, uh, he had a going-away party with a bunch of his friends, Fantasy Baseball League peoples, people that I, I, I know now. We watched it, what, outside Ben's house? Yep. Mm-hmm. On a projector screen with a bunch of, like, what, Larson, Mike Manzi. There was, like, a bunch of people. Maybe Jordan and Kara, too, right? Maybe. I Kara remember for sure Mike was there because he gave me a gift. And I know Larson was there because I remember Larson being like, where where, was, where have you been hiding this kid? Like, just, like, so in love with you. Yes. Um, Duke might have been there. I don't know. But, yeah, this was 2014. Ben was just like, hey, you know, like, after it gets dark, like, we'll watch a movie in my backyard. I got the projector, blah, blah, blah. I just picked the movie. I'm like, okay, let me think about it. And then I was just like, oh, Point Break is one that, like, you know, if, you, if you've if seen, you would see again. If you haven't seen, it's a movie that most people, I think, would enjoy. And you and don't really need to, like, even if it's your first time watching Point Break, like, if you're not, like, super paying attention, it's not awful, right? It's still going to be a pretty good experience. Well, so I also, I think I've talked about this before. Maybe not on this podcast. When I was living in Austin, there was this band who actually is from Pennsylvania, sort of near me um, now, called the Great White Caps. And I don't know, let me know if you if I've told you this before, but they did this showing at the Draft House, and it was mm-hmm. called Point Break Rescored. Have I told you about this or yep, no? Yep, you have. Go ahead. So this band, it's a surf punk band, surf rock band, um, said, you know, we love this movie, but the thing about it is that it's a movie about surfing that has basically no surf music in it. There's no surf rock, there's nothing. It's just like, it's, you know, score. It's like action score. It's 90s action score, whatever. So, like, we are going to uh, rescore the movie with surf music. And so they went on stage at the draft house, and for two hours of the movie, they basically, they probably played for about an hour. And almost every time there's an action scene, they just, like, played a song. And then whenever, like, Tyler and the Lori Petty character and Keanu were having a tender moment, they would drop a disco ball from the ceiling, and they would play, like, sort of, like, ballady, slow dance kind of music. <laughs> awesome. And I I've, I reached out to them years ago. I'm like, I would love if you have, like, a... a, a you know, a track of you guys playing it or whatever. Like, yeah. I would pay for it. I want it. Uh, they're like, no, we never recorded it, blah, blah, blah. And they just sort of seem to, not have maybe not broken up, but, you know, they don't really do the thing anymore. And I was just like, man, like, it's so good because it's so awesome. And, like, it's, Unique. it's interesting. not my preferred way to watch the movie, but, like, it might be my preferred because it's just, it's so cool. Like, you don't need to know what Patrick Swayze is yelling about in a bank heist. It's just, like, when it's scored with, like, you know, strummy surf rock, it's like, yeah, this rules. So... Again, I don't think to do it anymore, but if you ever get the chance to see the Great White Caps rescore Point Break, go see it, because it's amazing. Yes, I remember this, and I think it sounds very, very interesting, but also, the score and the soundtrack of this movie are so fucking good, and I think that I can't imagine it with a different score and soundtrack, so... Like, I'm glad that you enjoyed this. I don't know how I'd feel about it. I'm sure that, like, in the moment, I'd be like, this is awesome with, like, a live band and a disco ball. I think that's cool. I think you would 
you would love it live. I don't know if having an MP3 and like having it just kick on, like, you know, having like a two hour long MP3 that like blasts at certain times. Like, I don't know that that would be fun. I agree. That's yeah. So I was, yeah. Now that I'm thinking about, I'm like, hmm, I don't know how I'd feel about it. And it's definitely something that like, that is a way I don't want my first experience to watch this movie being. For sure. No, I would agree with that. There's also, do you know about Point Break Live? Uh, no. What is this? So this is a thing that I think Larson might have staged productions of. I don't know. But there was a thing called Point Break Live where they would cast the entire thing. They would they would adapt this to the stage. Okay. And they would cast the entire movie, except they would get someone from the audience to play Keanu. So basically a non-actor would play the, the Johnny Utah role because like, the whole joke is like Keanu's a terrible actor, blah, 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 whatever. I mean, Mike and I disproved that on Keanu Club. Go check it out. Whatever. But, but I, I also think that Keanu is like the least Keanu in Point Break. For both Cage Club and Keanu Club, Mike and I did the awards at the end. One of the things yeah. that we did for Kate, we no, actually, we didn't do for Cage. We did for Keanu because I'm like, I think I realized after the fact we should have done for Cage is like what archetype – like, what character role? Because obviously when you watch, like, 60 or 70 or 80 or whatever movies of an actor, you're going to see, like, certain things. Like, you get typecast, like, Zeph as, dancing. like, you know. Yeah. Exactly. Crying. Yeah. Keanu has, like, a handful of different things. Like, he's got, like, the stoner, which is, like, you know, Bill and Ted. Yep. He's got, like, the blank slate, which is, like, the Matrix, where he can just kind of be whatever. He plays a villain in a handful of movies. But I think what he is best at is action, cop, FBI, whatever, where he's this and he's speed and whatever. Because it's a combination of, like... It's a type of role that does not necessarily require great acting. He obviously has the physical chops. He's handsome. He's charismatic. And yeah. like it just comes together in a way that I'm like, he's built for this role. Yeah, I think so too. But, you know, everybody always makes fun of Keanu for like, whoa, and like stuff like that. And like, mm -hmm. I don't think he does it as much in Point Break as you get in like Bill and Ted's when he's hamming it up. For sure. Well, I think what's interesting about this is that he is... In the movie, he's kind of acting like surf bro, like stoner Keanu, but he's not, right? Like he's no, he's not, he's, and they don't. He's see acting him like that because that. he's undercover as a surfer. Yes, but he is, you know, a young, dumb, full of cum FBI agent, and he's like a good, like you know, buttoned up, whatever. But he just also is like has to act undercover. He's adapted. So yeah. yeah, so you get both Keanus in this, I guess. Really, I think so too. But as I was watching it, that was like a, a realization I had, like near to the end. That, like, he's not playing, like, as much as, you know, people make fun of. Like, I don't see that at all in Point Break. When it when it feels like he's playing a surfer guy, it feels like this would be, like, the most that he's like, whoa, big wave, right? And you're like, no, mm -hmm. that's not what you get here at all. Because maybe it is what you're saying, that he's like, you know, there's, there's layers to it that he's playing, like, an FBI agent who's undercover, who's learning how to surf. But, like, even to them, he's like, look, like, I'm a lawyer former football player that just came out here because like learning to surf figure yeah. my life out so like yeah. he doesn't even need to do it for them because they know that he's he's an other already right like he's not trying to be precisely one of them for sure i would assume anybody who's listened to the show who likes the fast and furious enough to listen to a fast and furious podcast has seen point break if you have not go watch it it's on hbo max yep in case you have not seen it and you have not you know don't want to watch it before this episode all you need to know is that it's the Fast and the Furious. It's 100% the Fast and the Furious. It's like, like, exactly, yeah. But, yeah, and I, I it, it, you know, I think it's objectively true in every way, and I, I don't I don't really feel bad saying it, but, like, it's Fast and Furious if it was good, right? Like, it's just, like, if, like, I love Fast and Furious. I think, I do think it's a good movie, but this is, like, if, if Fast and Furious played by, like, stuff that kind of made more sense, 
it, it would be Point Break. And like more '90s actiony, right? Like yeah, for sure. Like it has like a lot of those, but and I think that lays into it. But it's definitely yeah the same storyline, probably more cohesive. So the it takes place in Los Angeles, just like our beloved Fast and Furious. Yep. And there it's the bank robbery capital of the world. There's like you know 3,300 or whatever last year and or last decade or whatever, and you know the cops caught 3,000 of them. Keanu is brought in as this new young FBI agent recruit. Straight out of Quantico. For, yep. So he is the Brian O'Connor role. Yep. And he's working for Gary Busey as Pappas, who yep. is basically the Sergeant Tanner role to a certain extent. Kind of. Yep. And uh, there is this crew called the ex-presidents who are robbing these banks. They've done, we find out later that they've done like 30 or 33 of them or something like that. Like they've been successful like a bunch of times led by Patrick Swayze. And they are basically our family. And, and Swayze is the Dom Toretto role. Yes. Just like Brian gets undercover with these with this racing crew, Keanu goes undercover with, you know, as a surfer. But like unlike in the Fast and Furious, where like it's not revealed until the very end to, you know, Dom and Mia that he's a cop, like an hour into this, it's revealed, right? Because like he's with Gary Busey and like they, you know, they're robbing a bank and like they see him chasing after him. Yeah, they happen to be robbing a bank right outside of where they're parked because they're yep. kind of like they're kind of. Are they staking it out? Like, are do they know that so. they're gonna hit that yeah. bank? Okay, they like think that they're gonna hit that bank. They're like, okay, like we're gonna stake it out for a couple days, and they like come running out of the bank with the money. So like an hour in, it's revealed like the jig is up. And you're like, okay, like, I wonder how this is going to go. And then Swayze's like, no, fuck it. This just up the stakes. And like, he plays into it in a way that like Dom at the end of the one, at the end of one is just like fuming, like, you know, his friend, like it works in Fast and Furious that, you know, Vince is hurt and that Brian's using his cop stuff to like, you know, get medical attention and like that works emotionally. But here it's just like, oh no, like this is how it would go. Like he's just like fucking with Keanu and like, no, we're going to make this work. And like, I'm going to, I'm going to abduct your girlfriend. Yeah. So what happens is, is like, as they're running away, Keanu and Patrick Swayze have like an eye to eye contact thing. Although Patrick Swayze is wearing one of the dead president masks. And this is in the LA aqueducts, the, the river where we talked about like Fast and Furious should go really hasn't, even though like it happens in like every other LA movie. Spy racers even. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, and he, like, has a shot to shoot him, and when they make eye contact, he just fires into the air. He cries out in anguish and shoots up in the air in a very yeah, iconic Yeah, because he tears scene. his knee up. So, like, the mm -hmm. next morning, Patrick Swayze's like, come on, we're going skydiving. And he's, like, and he's, like, limping around. He's like, what happened to you? And he's like, hurt my knee yesterday. And he's like, oh, shucks. Well, yep. we're gonna go skydiving. And, like, they know. He knows. They know. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, because so Swayze knows that Keanu's a cop chasing him. Yep. And Keanu knows that Swayze is one of the bank is robbers. a criminal and knows that Keanu is a cop, but nobody's saying that. Nobody's saying anything. And Which so is there's a whole scene. Amazing. Yeah. It's so good. And there's the whole scene about like, oh, you take this parachute, and it's kind of like in Princess Bride, which is like, I know that you probably poisoned one of these, and like if. If I thought that, you know, you poisoned yep. mine, I should drink yours. But I this know is a great that you scene. know. And so it's just like, okay, yeah. But he's just like, no, you should use this parachute. It's like, well, this doesn't look no, like No, he's like skeptical of the parachutes. So Patrick Swayze is like, if you're skeptical of the parachutes, take mine. I'll switch. And then yeah, like you, they're like, well, what about the other guys? And he's like, yeah, well, take his then if you're skeptical of that one. And he's like, well, he packs some shitty, so take his. And then they like, yep. like switch everybody's parachutes. And you're like, well... <laughs> And, like, we don't, we never get something like that in The Fast and Furious where, like, no. Dom is just, like, fucking with Brian. Like, I know that you're a cop, and, like, I'm going to make your life hell, and, like, I might kill you, but, like, you never know. 
And also, there's like a slim chance that it's not him and he doesn't know that he's a cop. You know what I mean? Like, there's Mm -hmm. still like a fine, like a hair thing that you're like, like, we saw them make eye contact, but like, we didn't see Patrick Swayze look at him. So like, it might not be him. What I also like in comparing it to Fast and Furious is that Tyler Ann, who is a surfer who works at Neptune's Net. Yes. Where Keanu goes to order shrimp. So just like Brian, he's ordering, he can pay for his own shrimp. Yep, exactly. Um, You know, she's like this surf instructor or whatever, and she introduces him to the crew. But unlike Mia, she is like, she discovers things on her own, and she's like confident. She has like agency, and like she could be better still. Yes. But... She's wiser and more independent and you know, finds his badge. And she like she's doing things in a way that like, again, because this is directed by Catherine Bigelow, um, who obviously won Oscars for Zero Dark Thirty or maybe was at least nominated. I don't know if that might that might have gotten snubbed. Um, but, you know, she did Strange Days, which we covered, which yeah. we love. Great movie. Yeah. But, you know, in the early 90s, late 80s, early 90s, whenever she I don't know what the, the duration of the relationship was, but she was married to James Cameron so he helped her with these kind of movies, and she mm, helped him with, like, Terminator 2 that. and stuff like that. And so, like, that's such a powerhouse Hollywood couple. But it makes sense that for a female director to give the, the only female character in the movie, like, some agency, right? Just, like, she's not just, you know, the the sister of the criminal and in love with the guy. It's like, no, she's going to find out that he's an FBI agent and, like, get pissed about it. Yep. It's cool. Um, it's really, really cool. I, I love everything about that. And it makes sense that, like, if you have a female director the woman doesn't suck as bad, right? Yeah. Not yeah. that the woman's, just the role for her isn't as bad as it could be. And Lori Petty's great. She's in, you know, uh, League of Their Own, and she's Machine Girl, or Tank Girl, Tank Girl, Tank yeah. Girl. There was a really badass line that I heard this time that I had never heard before watching this movie. And it occurs when uh, Keanu goes to the party at Patrick Swayze's house, Okay. Mm-hmm. And I never thought of the implicate, like, you know, so many lines in this movie are just like cheesy bullshits, right? Like that are just like fun to say, don't really mean anything. But they're like iconically quotable lines. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Just like the Fast and Furious, right? Like, you know, mm-hmm. like, the, j- but ultimately. Well, I, think, I, think, I think more so. Like, I love the Fast and Furious, but like, I think these are more. Yeah, but yes. Yes. Ultimately, they're all dumb shit, right? Like, you know, like Utah, give me two. All of these things, right? Like, they don't really mean anything. Jump or jerk off. Yeah, exactly. Um, when he's there and, like, Patrick Swayze notices that, um, what's the female's name? Tyler Ann. Tyler Ann. When he notices, like, Tyler and Keanu are having, like, a moment there, Patrick Swayze looks at him and goes, like, this is my house. T- take anything you want that's mine. Like, him acknowledging that, like, this is my ex-girlfriend that we know, right? Like, not... We, the audience doesn't know that yet. You can kind of surmise, but he doesn't like overtly say it. But him being like, I know that you're flirting with this chick and like, okay. You know what I mean? It was just like a really weird, I was like, oh, I've never caught that before. That, like, I Patrick- mean, it's also like, it, it makes sense because he's literally named Bodhi, like Bodhisattva, who's like a person who's able to reach Nirvana. Yes. Right? And so like, it just makes sense that he's you know possessive or whatever because he's 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 financially greedy he's a he's a criminal but he's also peaceful and like hey man what it's mine is yours essentially right like in a yeah but i'm just saying like the awareness that like even if he's at this party just doing tequila shots eating the lime out of this girl's mouth he's like oh i see what's happening here before it happens like i have the awareness and foresight to be like 
it's okay already. You know what I mean? And give it, and I give it my approval is such like a power move. You know what I sure. mean? Yeah. So I think Bodie's super. I mean, you know, ass. a little, a little possessive-y, which is it definitely you know, not, is not, not, not great, but I'm, I'm going strictly from the context of like Bodie doing it to Keanu, not knowing he's a cop yet, and still like feeling him out. Right? It's like a sure. very Dom type situation. Like, oh, like yeah, hey, you can have a piece of chicken. Come eat at the barbecue, right? Not really a fast connection, but we just did Heat as our last pit stop, and we have here Tom Sizemore as the undercover cop in you know in the house, and he's he's pissed off because Keanu like blew his cover right because he does this raid and he's just like I've been here for three months. You think I like this hair? But I'm just like oh Tom Sizemore keeps showing up in the movies recovering, which is yes, cool. yeah. There's a lot of cool trivia. There's some good stuff. So Patrick Swayze was an accomplished skydiver and actually did his stunts there. He made 55 jumps in total. And That's... for many of the surfing scenes, he refused to use a stunt double because he didn't use one for the fight scenes, the car scenes, or the, the parachuting scenes. So he's like, I'm going to do the surfing ones too. So like just Swayze being amazing. That's pretty badass. And if you really enjoyed skydiving, like as like a hobby, and you were like, I'm going to be in this movie with to do skydiving. And they're like, well, we're going to have to shoot it like 50 times. You'd be like, fuck yeah, I'm going to do 50 skydives, you know? like I'm pretty sure i don't remember the exact number but i'm pretty sure that for mission impossible fallout when he was there's like the halo jump where yeah. uh, cruise and cavill go down i'm pretty sure that like cruise like got super like he did all those obviously himself because tom cruise is like a lunatic yep but i think it's the same thing there where he's just like oh no i love this and, like he was just like going on like recreational skydives too like while they were filming it's like what are you doing like, stop it anything that you enjoy as a hobby if somebody was like you know, do this a hundred times as part of your job you'd be like fuck yeah i'll do this a hundred times as part of my job cool I think I think a big thing that is great about this movie is the way that it looks. And so on the mm-hmm. director's commentary for Strange Days, Catherine Bigelow was describing what she calls the Pogo Cam, which is this 18-pound camera with a gyro stabilizer that they took from a Steadicam. And it gave the Steadicam operator an idea of, like, what was in the frame as he followed the actors right next to me. So, like, a lot of the chasing, like, there's, you know, not only is it a cool like heist movie and a surf movie, but there's, like, a great car chase in here. There's yep. a great foot chase that follows yep. it, like... It just, it gets action in, like, every way right, and it just, it's amazing, and, like, I, you know, it's not hard to see that, like, women in Hollywood deserve more of a chance, but, like, you see Catherine Bigelow, who's directing multiple movies that are just absolutely incredible. Like, I think... Gorgeous. Yep. Like, Zero Dark Thirty, I think, is, like, one of, like, it's it's heavy as shit, obviously, but, like, I think it's one of the best movies that's ever been made, but she doesn't get as many chances as she should, and, like, it's just, she should, because it's incredible and how many of the chances that she got were just because she was married to james cameron probably right like no offense to her at all because she deserved them but like she probably only got a bunch of them because of this relationship like oh maybe if we give her a job yes want to work with us or something Uh, or any possible he calls anything right but like Mm -hmm. either way like that's fucked and unfair but yeah she fought to have Keanu as Johnny Utah, saying she wouldn't do it without him. They were looking for someone more high profile, like Johnny Depp, which, you know, okay. Johnny well, Depp was... in the news right now. Did you see in the trial what? that Amber Heard's lawyer asked a question, and then the witness was answering it, and he objected? Hearsay? Like, I... Sir, you, you, asked, you asked the question. <laughs> I've been following it vicariously through Rachel's updates that she gives me daily, on things like that, so yes, I know of that. I did that not video, see it. like it's you know, it's not as good as the Vin Justin Lin one, but it's worth seeing to see this like bumbling lawyer, like in real, like it. In real How life, did she get these lawyers that are so fucked? Is what I want to know. He's he asks a question, the guy starts answering it. But this isn't the first time he's say. fucked this this thing up because like he's had like a long like 
I don't remember them off the top of my head, but, like, Rachel's been keeping me updated, and he's done, like, a million dumb shits in court so far. I mean, far. I, I, you, don't, you don't object to the question you ask, and, like, that's the only screw-up. You know what I mean? That's like, what it, yes, also true. Touche. Very fair. So, uh, but they were looking for Johnny Depp. They originally offered to Matthew Broderick. They were also offering oh, to Charlie Sheen, William Matthew Defoe, and Kilmer. Uh, yuck. That so Val be Kilmer would have been cool, because, you know, just saw in Heat. Uh, Matthew Broderick not would not have fit here, but the Charlie Sheen thing tracks because for both Keanu and Cruz, for much of the '80s and like early '90s, Cruz, as far as I can tell, not not around here, but like Charlie Sheen just like looks like them, and like it was also in all these kind of movies and everything. Makes so sense. I think yeah. like every Cruz movie just like oh, offered to Charlie Sheen, blah blah blah. So you know it it makes sense that he would also be here too. Yeah, they wanted to do a sequel called Johnny Utah that they planned to make two years later, and they wrote a script. It was in pre-production, but even though this movie made $90 million, like it was successful, they're just like, yeah, we're not going to do it. So I don't know. I would imagine if it's called Johnny Utah, Keanu would have been in it, but I don't know anything more about it. Just it was close to happening and then, you know, got scrapped. I'm torn with, like, do I want a sequel to this or not? You know what I mean? But, like, this could have been Fast and the Furious. We could have had... 10 yeah. Johnny Utah movies, right? Like 2.2 break. To, yeah. <laughs> exactly. That and like and then it would just have like morphed into John Wick at the end, right? Mhm. I was so I looked up, you know, cuz obviously for all the podcasts I do with Mike and everything, not for this one cuz this doesn't really work like this, but for all the podcasts I do with Mike where I go through an actor like I rank all their movies on Letterboxd and I was relieved that I have this in the, I think, the correct, like, I didn't, like, make a mistake while we were doing it. I had this as Keanu's third best movie, or my third favorite Keanu movie, where it's Matrix, John Wick, and then this. But, like, they're all, you know, they're all incredible. Those like, three, this yeah, is just those three top tier. Yep. Ridley Scott of Alien and a bunch of other movies, you know, yeah. most recently he did The Last Duel, The Long Duel, well, The Last Duel, The Last Duel, and he also did the Gucci movie. Um, with Lady Gaga, he directed both of those. He was originally the first choice to do this one, this one, but instead he did Thelma and Louise with a young hunky Brad Pitt in there. Mm. It was originally about skateboarding, so I, you know, I'm sure that would have been fun, but like surfing is cooler, so I'm I'm cool with that. Yeah, plus you get them like, I mean, you can have Patrick Swayze shirtless, right? Yes, exactly. Which I mean, I guess you could have him shirtless skateboarding, but like this is way cooler. Like he yeah. doesn't have to wear like knee pads or something weird, so. <laughs> Right. And the only other trivia that I have is that of a particular Fast and Furious note is that it opened the same weekend as Boys in the Hood, directed by John, John Singleton. Singleton. So, yeah. you know, pretty, pretty interesting. Oh, and then the car stuff. Um, Bodie, Bodie says that his that Johnny Utah's surfboard reminds him of a 57 Chevy that he used to have. And ah. He drove a 57 Chevy in Dirty Dancing. Uh, Johnny drives a 70 Ford Mustang Mach 1. Papa's drives an 87 Caprice, and Bodie's truck was a 73 Chevrolet K-Series. So, like, I wouldn't normally look those out, but they were all in the IMDb trivia. I'm just like, you know, for a car car podcast, might as well mention them. Yeah, and I think 57 Chevy is the same car as a two-lane blacktop, right? Uh, is that a Bel Air, though, or no? I think that it was, like, essentially the same car, simil- very, very similar back then. Oh, awesome. no, sorry, my dad just bought a 57 Chevy. But, so, we talked about the movie, but I think we should start off with, and I... I, I, I only have one person, but who are you going to nominate for the heist? I think there's just, there's one option, right? Yeah, it got to be Bodhi, right? There's there's no... I, I tried the entire movie to be like, is there a case against Bodhi? And kind of, but is there another option? And I, I think the answer is no. 
I think you could take Keanu because he throws his badge at the end. And if you want, I will take Keanu because I don't think that he's a bad option. But with his knee, like his injury, Bodhi's just so much better. Like, Bo- like I would take Keanu if you want to have two. I don't think we. I think it's. Ju- I think it's just Bodhi because I think. Okay, fair. I'm, That's I'm not. I don't love the idea of drafting cops, and I know that like he lets Bodhi go here at the end, but and I don't think his he's, badge. And tosses I don't his badge. think he's turning heel or whatever. He throws his badge in the water, though. So he might not be in the FBI, but I don't think he's turning into a life of crime. Also, oh, fair. That's a very, very fair point. Maybe he's not a cop or in the FBI anymore, but he's also not going to like start robbing banks either. That's okay. Right. I get that. Yep. I think just by that, the the case that I have against Bodhi, though, is that when he finds out that Keanu is on his tail and, you know, that that the cops are, like, closing in on him, his friends are like, you know, the guys he's robbing banks are just like, yeah, yeah, they're like, like, let's call it. We've been successful. We shouldn't do this. We should stop. This is it. It's too risky. And he goes, no, man, it's a game now. Like, the stakes are higher. And just like, well, that's not great. But, like... (laughs) I do feel like to a certain extent, everyone who's going to heist a bank is going to like have that kind of mentality. It's the same thing we just saw in Heat, right? Like, mm-hmm. It's the exact same thing. But in this case, I kind of give Bodhi a little bit of a pass because he knows it's Keanu. And he knows that like the relationship and the power that he has over Keanu. So it's not like, oh, just like the cops are on us. It's like he directly knows who it is. And that he thinks that he can be an adversary to him in some way. And I think what he also does in terms of the preparing, the preparedness, and like obviously scumbag move, but like having like a, an unhinged dude kidnap Tyler Ann. Yeah. Like he's thinking ahead. He's just like, okay, so like this is a Many this is an issue, but I'm going to think ahead, right? And I'm going to be like, okay, yeah, like let's let's make sure that we know where this goes. Not only that, but, like, the parachutes to get him to jump, kidnap her, show him at the end, make him rob the bank, everything, down the line. Like, he, he's very well thought out, actually. Yeah. So let's talk about the movie. I mean, we've already been talking about the movie, but anything in particular that you want to mention? Any other fast connections that you caught that we did not uh, get through? Because it is really the cop criminal falling in love to – like, it's it's obviously Keanu and – oh. Tyler Ann in love, but it's also Keanu and Patrick Swayze in love, right? So. so I had a question that I asked Rachel while we were watching this movie, and I want to hear your thoughts on it. Be- they're so similar, lots of parody. We talk about this a lot. The, you know, Point Break, Fast and Furious. Which one do you think is more homoerotic? Ooh. Um, I think probably this one, because I think it being rated R, they're just allowed to, like, everything, it, like, this just feels like a, a sexier movie in general. No, but, I, but I'm saying, like, okay. I, I, I know what you're saying. But the I, the I, relationship just, like, I think, itself. Who is more in love, Dom and Brian or Patrick Swayze and Keanu? I think Dom and Brian are more in love. But this one feels more homoerotic. I think it just feels more sexual. So I think that, like, the the attraction they have... Yeah, it was it was hard for me to decide here for sure, but I I, I agree with you. I think that this one is definitely it, it is sexier. It just like something about like the surfing, like they're so like shirtless all the time and stuff mm-hmm. like that. That helps a lot. But I also think that like Patrick Swayze has like a he has like more of a charm because he's more handsome than Vin Diesel is. Sure, you know what I mean. And I think that like Paul Walker is obviously super handsome, but Keanu can match that. So, like, you have, like, two really handsome dudes and, like, 
one dude that's like you know like two pretty good looking like one really handsome dude and a good looking dude and you're like okay well this works no it, it's t- I think like you know what I was saying it's not it's not exactly the question but like where I start how I started answering it thinking about like I don't think I want an R-rated Fast and Furious and I don't think I want a PG I, I know I don't want a PG-13 one of these but like Fair. I think that yeah. I think what the Fast and Furious does and tries to do and like the the way that it tells its stories I don't think really works as an R-rated movie and here like I think you like I think why this movie kicks ass the way it does is because it like doesn't really hold anything back you know what i mean yeah i now i'm curious about like what what would an r-rated fast and the furious movie be and i think if the first fast and the furious was rated r it would have probably been even worse i don't think there would have been a second i don't think there would have been a too fast if the first one was rated r yeah that's fair i think that's a good point the 90s, also the 90s versus, even though 2001 is close to the 90s, you can even say, like, it's the most 90s, like, 2000, 2001, whatever. Point Break is going for a very specific, like, high-octane, like, balls-to-the-wall action. And, and the Fast and Furious is, like, we're going to try to make a box office hit to a certain extent. Like, we're going to, mm. it's going to be, like, a little dirty, a little bit sweaty, and, like, a little bit sexy, the first one. But, like, we're not going to, like, preclude high schoolers from going. We, we're not going to need them to have a guardian or whatever. Where the Point Break's just like, no, we're going to tell the story you want to tell. That's fair. Yeah. I can see that. I was really happy that when Keanu gets like beat up on the beach, right, by those guys, Warmonger, right? Isn't that the guy's mm-hmm. name? One of them from, I think one of them was Flea from the Chili Peppers. Yes, yes. I pointed it out to Rachel. But when he like fights with them and Patrick Swayze comes and saves them, he's just like, yeah, fuck those guys. They're Nazis. And I was like, hey, Patrick Swayze being anti-Nazi here, I guess it kind of... He like he has such like a a weird personality for me being like a Cali surfer who goes by like you know Bodhi the Enlightened One who is like free flowing and full of, like spirit then like anti Nazi but also loves college football for some reason. Yeah, I mean, I it, it, it all tracks other than I think his uh, his desire to rob banks. Really, that doesn't fit in there either. I could see him like Robin Hood logicing this, like steal from the rich, give to the poor. I'm. But he's poor. not giving to the poor. Yeah, but he's like I'm poor. Well, not after he robs thirty banks. Well, he's just trying to like live his surf dream, and like this is the easiest way to do it. So. I understand that. Yes, I I know why he's doing it. The movie explains that. I I get yeah. that. I'm just saying, peace and love. You know, take what you want. Blah blah blah. Do they hurt anyone during the bank robberies? I'm thinking about it now. I don't think so because I think what why the last one goes amiss is because he gets greedy and I think it's because he knows is the last one or he wants to show off for Keanu or he's blinded by love or whatever, right? Yeah, but like yeah, yeah. it's in and out ninety seconds, nobody gets hurt. Okay, so that plays along with like the I'm gonna rob the bank, but like we're not shooting anyone, we're not gonna do anything weird, like just like rob the bank quickly, get out, keep the money, go surf. That's what we do. Well, I think that, like, what these movies seem to suggest is that, like, robbing banks is not hard. It's just that when people get greedy or dumb, that's where things break bad. I, I often wonder, like, how hard is it to actually rob a bank knowing stuff like this? But I don't know. I, th- I think, and again, I have not robbed a bank and I'm not planning to rob a bank. Hello, FBI. But I think that also given the fact that, like, the bank managers and stuff are, like, basically encouraged to, like, let, let you have the money because, like, you're going to get caught. Yeah. Yeah, very, very so, true. Uh, what did you think of Gary Busey? We have not really talked nearly enough about Gary Busey. What do you think of Gary Busey as Pappas, Angelo Pappas in this movie? 
He's so unhinged in such a mm-hmm. beautiful way for this character. I love it. I really do. I don't. I can't imagine anybody else being as good. Like from from the jump, yep. when he's introducing, he's talking about how he's got this young, dumb, you know, this hot shot rookie out of the academy that he doesn't want to work with a partner, and like he's blindfolded because he's about to dive into the the, the Get pool. Get the bricks, yeah. And he's saying all the shit to Keanu, who's his new partner, and like just the fact that he's like. He's made fun of like he's this guy who like has this theory that turns out to be right, but people don't believe him. And just you know he him laughing at Hobbs whole... and like wanting the meatball stuff. It's just it's it's wonderful. Yeah, him getting shit on like the whole first thing when he's right from the from the rip. He's right. He's like yeah. yeah. It's just like it's surfer dudes. I found the wax. Went to the thing. Did the results. And like nobody else wants to believe him. That but just like he has that. Well, I like so. I, th- I think part of it is also because like. You know, their boss is John C. McGinley um, from Scrubs and from ever, but like he's yep. just like this real prick of a guy in this yep. movie. He, everybody's like really buttoned up cop, like in the, you know, Los Angeles, like the bank robbery capital of the world, even though like the town also calls out the bank. Who knows, right? Every, every city is the bank robbery capital of the world if that's where we're taking the movie. But Carrie Bees is here in like a Hawaiian church and shit, right? Like it's just like he's, he doesn't <laughs> look the part. So like he's right, but it's also just like, guy, come on. Yeah, and like, you know, he could have been like a bumbling idiot for 40 years and then sure. like n- like figured out one case, right? So like we don't know the backstory to it. I like his like general like twitchiness. That makes it fun, right? Like how do you mean tw- what do you mean by twitchiness? Gary Busey just has like a weird like bird-like twitchiness to him that I can only imagine comes from decades of cocaine use. Well, he was in like a really bad car accident. Oh, was he? I didn't know this. That, like, yeah. I thought that it was kind of like an Ozzy Osbourne-type situation where he's just like... No, he wasn't. So in 1988, when he was 44, he had just picked up a Harley Davidson from a shop when he tried to maneuver it around a bus and accidentally turned too hard, started skidding, and hit his neck brake, causing him to fly over the windshield and land directly on his helmetless head. Oh, I'm sorry. That sucks. I so take he that has, back. like, some kind of... He has a subdural hematoma... I, I don't know how it manifests. Obviously, you know, he's able to still, like, keep working or whatever, and, like, he giving these, like, you know, iconic sort of unhinged performances or whatever, but, like, it's for, because he, he has he has brain damage, which is, like, you know, so it might not be cocaine. It might just be, you know, him f- having a terrible motorcycle accident. That makes me feel bad about saying that, but at the same time, I think that you it know, plays, it's, you know, it's, I think it, it, it plays it well that way, right? to these characters to have that, like, edginess that like twitchy i think the twitchiness is actually really great for like you know an unhinged cop right like it just it just fits well and he has it and it just works really really well so i actually enjoy it but good for him i'm glad that he's still working and i'm glad that he's okay and he didn't die yeah there's a whole like plot in this where they need to get hair to figure out where <laughs> which beach the surfers and i'm like it, it makes sense like it makes total sense that they're getting hair samples because from surfers yeah because there's to like match, yeah to match right because there's like chemical spills so they're like if they surf in the same place all the time their hair will match the hair that we have based on like the toxins in the water which is terrifying but right. yeah that's a really weird subplot but interesting it didn't bother me it works, but it's also just like thinking about like how the like the the plot hinges on hair in a way. It's just like okay, that's weird, sure, but yeah, you made it work. 
And then Gary Busey just runs up and cuts the lock of that kid's hair off. And then he's like, okay. Or no, Keanu? Who has a Gary Busey who just runs up and cuts the lock of his hair off? It's like, thanks. Yeah, the two dudes under the blanket. He's yeah. like, hey, man. Like, he didn't bust us. He's like, yeah, but he just cut my hair, man. <laughs> yeah. There is one line. So when they're raiding the house, which is when Tom, Tom Sizemore gets really pissy, it's the next morning after he spends, that Keanu spends the night on the beach with Tyler Ann. He's, he wakes up. He's like, oh, shit, I'm late. Yes. And he shows up to the house, and one of the other cops says, I can't believe you're late to your own raid. What a flake. And I'm like, I wonder if he was going to say, like, another F word, and then just, like, thought the better of it. Because it, like, you know, it, it Or, like, very fucking easily... idiot. And he's like, I didn't no, get permission. No, like, like, the, like the Vince F word. I Yeah, I get it. But I'm saying, also, he could have been like, uh, what a fucking idiot. And they're like, you don't get to say fuck, bud. They're like, we used our fucks. We're R-rated already. Like you're not taking one of our fucks away from this. <laughs> Although I think you, I think you could have unlimited fucks in there, but it just, it just, it made me feel because I'm, mean, you know, watching movies that from like a while ago, a different era, you know, it, it sometimes is less than PC and just like he's like he's like it might just be like a speech impediment or it might just be like me overthinking it, but it just sounded like he was about Flubbed to say his something. Own line, like, yeah, it could be anything, but that's funny. But what a flake is a very harmless thing. Just like yeah, he is a flake. You're right. They call Gary Busey a, a what a hardo at one point. <laughs> And I was like, oh, that's an, that's an old one. I posted this on Twitter, and I know you quote tweeted it as too fast, but I got a meatball sub today because I'm just like, I, it, it's, beautiful. it's so good. It wasn't 10.30 in the morning when he eats his, but I was just like, I need a meatball sub. Did so. you get two or did you get one? I got two sandwiches, but only one was a meatball sub. Oh. I got the other one I'm going to have after we're done here because usually like, I'm just so tired that I don't want to like make or – you know what I mean? Like, I get I just wanna, like, it, yeah. Have something. So I'm like, I'll just get another sub. So I got a cold sub that I'm going to eat later. But I, got, I did get two, but only one was a meatball sub. So close. But in that ensuing pursuit, uh, which is very cool, where Keanu is chasing Swayze, this is where he you know fires into the heavens or whatever. Yep. But he's chasing Swayze through you know people's houses and backyards and stuff. Um, it's very Matrix, like at the end of the first Matrix when he's running away from Agent Smith and like running through houses or whatever. But of note for the show and just the podcast that you and I do, he breaks a glass door. He breaks a sliding glass door. He throws a thing through it because Swayze locks it. Bodhi locks a door. And then Keanu breaks a glass door, which is, you know, we saw that in Heat. We saw yeah. that in Ragazzi. We saw that somewhere else, I think. So, like, all these beautiful glass doors getting broken in the movies we're talking about. So That's funny. And you mentioned Matthew Broderick was, like, one of the things. Can you imagine him doing, essentially, Ferris Bueller through the, through the houses? I'm like, because that's, like, all I was thinking when I was watching. I was like, oh, like, look how much, like, Ferris Bueller is happening here. Oh, so you're saying so? Like, even though you don't think that he would, that Matthew Broderick would work as Johnny Utah, you think he would work here? No, I think it would be awful because you'd be watching, it, you'd be like, "It's fucking Ferris Bueller again," like you know. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I it's see what you're so okay. similar. You'd be like, "God damn it, he's just doing gotcha. Ferris Bueller through this fucking thing," and he he's just like ten years older or whatever, right? I do love the uh, justification for why they rob. Swayze says, we stand for something. To those dead souls inching along the freeways in their metal coffins, we show them that the human spirit is still alive. And I'm like, all right, like, I appreciate that, but that's that's some psycho shit. Like, you're not stealing to, like, prove that, like, people who, like, hate their jobs that, like, they can do this one day, too. Like, if, if that's the justification, it's like, mm, I don't, I don't, I, I don't know if that's actually what you're doing. Yeah, that hard sell to me. It's like you do, you're an adrenaline junkie is what you just said, but you somehow made it seem like... It was for the good of everyone. Not yeah. really true. So there's the scene where there. So there's a couple different parachuting scenes, the the skydiving scenes, but there's the one where Keanu 
he's he's not sure. It's the one we talked about earlier, right? He's not sure if well, he that, has a real yes. parachute, if it's going to yeah. go off or whatever, right? Yeah. And he says to Swayze, after you, Alphonse. And I was like, I don't know what this means. So I looked it up. And apparently, after you, my dear Alphonse, originally with a comic strip in 1905, mm. and the expression is generally used when two people go back and forth, suggesting the other go first as a way of being polite. It's sometimes used humorlessly because they're like, pull your string. It's like, no, you pull your string. So it goes, after you, Alphonse. And she's like, a kind of, she's like, one of us has to do it. Oh, I didn't know that. That's a nice little, uh, yeah, I had no idea. That's a cool little yeah. saying. I like it. There is a fast connection, sort of, kind of. What? Where when Swayze, no, like, he's just like, you're going you're gonna to help us with this heist. You're not going to stop us. You're going to help us. He goes, all I'm asking you for is 90 seconds of your life, Johnny. That's it. And I'm just like. For those 10 seconds or less, I'm free. Quarter like, mile at a time. That's what he wants yeah. to live by. Yeah. I think I've said this in a different thing before, but when Gary Busey and Keanu are sitting to talk about the wax and him figuring out that it was sex wax for surfers, they're all drinking Coronas. Oh, cool. I mean, it's just kind of like, you know, like a Southern California kind of beer, right? So Yeah, kind of. But at the same time, it's like, oh, yeah, here you go. Coronas again. There you go. Yeah. There's a shootout at the airstrip, which feels like where we thought Too Fast was going to wind up before Carter changes it. Yeah, true. Very true. I'm like, what is this, Too Fast? Kind of is, kind of, not really, though. Yeah. And then, like we said at the end, so the 50-year storm, he's been chasing his dream or whatever. Keanu's been pursuing Swayze through all of Mexico. So just like, I mean, I, I think it happens in a lot of movies, but just like at the end of Fast and Furious, where Dom flees Los Angeles from Mexico, Swayze leaves Los Angeles from Mexico. True, but then he goes to like what, like Bali or something, and but he winds up in Australia where he said he was gonna go. Yeah. And go ahead, are you gonna say it? The line? Yeah, go ahead. Via Condios? Yeah, and he gets there, he throws the mask on the ground, is like I fucking caught you, handcuffs them together. He doesn't say I can't be locked in a cage, man. He says, you know I can't handle a cage, which I've fucked up forever, but like my version I like better. Yeah. And then he just unlocks him and says, Via con Dios. And that's like... And I think I I think the last line of the movie, I don't know for sure, but it's one of the last lines, if not the last line, is the other cops like race down. They're like, we'll get him when he comes back in. And Keanu just goes to himself, he's not coming back. Yeah, he, yeah, he ain't coming back and throws his badge into the water. Yep. And apparently at, on the, what was it? The Terminator 2 commentary, uh, James Cameron said that uh, Bodhi killed himself at the end of the movie. So, like, he just – he chooses to, like, go out surfing the, the final – the 50-year wave and die out there, so. You but know. you see uh, – so I was going to ask you this, and, like, I, I hadn't remembered, like, precisely the ending. But, like, at the end, you see him, like, fall. Like, it's, it's – he doesn't yeah. make the wave. Like, he gets, like, demolished. So, yes, he went out there. Well, so, that's, so that's the other thing. It's, like, if there was a sequel, obviously, you know, Johnny Utah is there. You could bring Swayze back. You might not, but, like, I don't want a Point Break movie in this universe without Swayze, right? Yeah, he's just, like, as an actor and character, yeah. Like, Have you seen the the hockey movie Youngblood with Keanu and Swayze? No, I haven't. Is it good? It's, really, it's Yeah, Keanu plays a goalie. Oh, cool. Uh, it's Swayze and it's Rob Lowe. It's not really a Keanu movie. Like, he's, like, probably, like, fifth or sixth banana. It's, like, a Swayze and Rob Lowe movie. Okay. But yeah, check it out. It's from the 80s. It's really good. Uh, Youngblood. Oh, no, I didn't. Yeah, I've never seen it. I'll definitely give it a watch. That sounds really cool to me. And that was the movie. Like, you know how on Zack Attack we called having sex quadruple spacing because of uh, me and Orson Welles or whatever? Yes, 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 yes. Youngblood is the movie where we coined that phrase for Keanu. Oh. 
there is a uh, a sensual scene. There's just like this older woman who like is in love with all the hockey players. And so she like invites them over for tea and then, you know, I guess seduces them or whatever. And so Mike and I would call it sipping tea with Miss McGill. Ooh. So, yeah. So just like quadruple spacing instead of just saying that, you know, they went and had sex. Like, we, you know, they quadruple spaced. You know, they, you know, he sipped tea with Miss McGill. So um, any other thoughts, any other notes about Point Break? No, I cut all mine in now, it looks like. So I am good. Cool. Then let's watch the trailer. This is posted by Mac Phoenix eighty two. Just some. Oh wait, no. Sorry. This is a. This is a fan made trailer. I need to give you another link. Hold on. No problem. Get out of here. Okay, here we go. Here we go. This is again. It's not. It's not posted by like a real person. This is posted by uh, Warley Clarence, which is a true romance reference. Uh, in June of two thousand eight, Point Break trailer ninety one one point eight million views. Two minute trailer, one second. Let I me know when you got it. Classic movie trailers would have had this for us. Jeez. I thought so, but apparently they didn't. Okay, I'm ready whenever you are, bud. All right, three, two, one, play. Oh, this is like shot like from Handycam from a VHS. Pretty good. The ultimate rush. Nothing oh. that comes close to it. Also, not that like a two-hour movie is particularly long, but this movie flies by. It does. Rachel was saying how long she thinks it always feels, but it's because I put it on on TV all the time, and two-hour movie on TV that becomes, you know. Like with commercials and stuff, you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll be on like TBS or whatever, right? So. See, I don't think this sco- I don't think this music is good. No, it's bad. I really I agree. I don't like it. But the score of the actual But you like the score and the soundtrack otherwise in the movie. Fuck yeah. It's incredible. It's so good. Just not this. Yeah, not this. This is like 90s action movie every trailer, right? That like dun 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 dun. You'll take it to the edge. Past those oh, those name cards are really really dating. The crazy thing about this movie, Keanu, within the scope of Keanu's career, is this is his real like first action movie. Is it? Like he'd done Bill and Ted, yeah, but this is like this kicks off kind of a new era of Keanu because like three years later he'll do Speed, then five years after that he'll do The Matrix, and then he you know obviously goes on to do John Wick and stuff like that. But like yeah. he hadn't really done stuff like this before. He was trapped in high school movies and. So this is like a new kind of like there's a transition era Keanu and like it it works man. It's a great movie for it. It's a very very good movie for it. Cuz it's kind of like a young action movie, right? Like Great line. It's so good. It's so good. Yeah. So yeah. Okay. So the letterbox game for referencing Mad Max, Fury Road, one of the most popular films on Letterboxd. Oh, and the Racer Trash community just waved Fury Road. If that's, you know, I think the Grammy Ghost uh, re-aired it. So, you know, on, on their profile, there might, whatever. But 1.1 million views for Mad Max, Fury Road. Point Break, 1991, directed by Catherine Bigelow, starring Patrick Swayze, Keanu Reeves, Gary Busey, and Laurie Petty, has been seen by how many people? Oh, gotta be a fuck ton. I'm going to go what I think is crazy high to start 600,000. You are way too high. Yeah. So what was your real first guess? My real first guess would be 225,000. You're still too high. Is it 100,000? 
Now you're too low. One more guess between 100 and what did you say, 225? Yeah. Um, One more guess. 137. 180, 438. 180, 438. Average rating of 3.7. Yeah, 180. Okay. Sorry, my brain Most common a four, then a three and a half, then a three. Average rating of 3.7. How many people have this in their top four? 50. Way too low. Oh, good. Uh, 350. Still too low. 475. Still too low. One more guess. 600. 1,300 people Jesus. have this in their top four favorite movies Good of all shit, time. though. That's, a, that's an insane uh, uh, percentage. Yeah. I added it uh, to my top four this morning because i have one that like i don't keep like i always have the john boys seattle mariners documentary yeah and i have paddington 2 and then i have rad and then i just have the fourth one so it was columbus now it's point break so there we go okay but i found i gotta open my doc again hold on okay i found ash 22 underscore underscore ash on letterboxd who this year said not only does my so significant other have good music taste but this was a class film recommendation for one swayze legend reeves Legend. Yep. Swayze and Reeves, magnificent. It's such a great film with a truly unique story, like Robber Surfers with President Masks, amazing. To be fair, it's such a fun movie to watch with such unintentionally lovable characters, it's great. Five stars. I think it's intentionally lovable. I think they know exactly what they're doing, Ash. Yeah, and I also think that uh, it's a very unique movie as is funny because it is also just the Fast and the Furious, but yes. Right. It was unique until the Fast and the Furious, Exactly. Right? But, yeah, yeah, yeah. So Ash, Ash's number four. Does it have a big knife on the poster? Big knife on the poster is number one. Okay. American Psycho. Got it. I messaged Wes, and I'm just like, American Psycho was once again in the letterbox game. Do you think Joe's going to get it? He goes like, huh? I think he said, do you think Joe's going to have an issue with it? He said 100%. <laughs> so you did not have an issue with it. Babe I was going to say... Do you remember the quote? Do you remember the quote that I uh, dropped from it? Eggshell, white, something. It's like pearl, something. Eggshell with Roman. Nice. Okay, there you go. Eggshell I got. Yeah, I knew that part. Well, yes, I got to this one. I'm like, okay, you can get all four and American Psycho is in there, so we have to do this one. The hilarious. American Psycho, Thank you. number one, Ashes, number Perfect. one. Perfect. Good. Fuck that poster for being a knife. Go ahead. All right, number th- you you also love num- movies number two and three. You and Ash would get along. Uh, this dude from the UK. Okay. We've we've had both of these in multiple top fours. I would say. Okay. Um, both are I would say sort of stereotypical dude movies. One is Fight as Club. homoerotic. Yep. There you go. Cool. <laughs> Nailed as it. As homoerotic as this. Yep. Okay. Good. The that was actually one... my other question to Rachel. My question was, what's more homoerotic, Fight Club or Point Break? See, that I... I, Because I... they're both R-rated now, and they're both very homoerotic, so which one is it? I think the issue is that Brad Pitt's... Sec- it's, it's, it's the issue I was having before, but Brad Pitt's sexuality in Fight Club is just so off the charts. Okay. That, like, it just, it renders everything else moot in a way. Fair. That, yeah. I think that Fight Club is probably a little bit more overt than this, just because it's like, yeah, Brad Pitt is, like, very sexual. Yep, I agree. I mean, the, the scene where he answers the door while he's having sex with Marla, and it's just, like, it's, like, in a millimeter above, like, where his dick would be. It's just like, yep. yeah, that's, you know. They're, exactly. They're not, they're not holding anything back, right? Nope, and he's cutting porn into the thing. It's, like, f- like f- mm-hmm. f- firmly sexual. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
And then Ash is number two. So we got American Psycho, Fight Club, and Point Break. Is number two is the newest of the four, a movie that you love um, that is not, I would not say homoerotic. Um, an okay. Oscar-winning film um, directed by a guy who directed another movie that I love and you hate, which I know is not a movie. You might know what the movie is, but you're not going to know who the director is. La La Land? Yes. Who directed La La Land? Do you know? No fucking idea. Go ahead. Um, this one also about music, though. Also about is it Whiplash? It's Whiplash. So that's nice. four huge movies, right? American Psycho, yeah, yeah, Whiplash, yeah. Fight Club, and Point Break. Ash with good taste, also sort of you know homoerotic tastes. Hey, that's fine. Nothing yeah, wrong with Ash, that. Spence, gender fluid, gay, and asexual. Three eighties, nineties era. So Ash has very specific taste, and Ash nailed it. So shout out to Ash for four great movies in your top four. I can't believe the guy that, that like the same person that did Whiplash did fucking La La Land. God. Yeah. Two complete opposite ends of the spectrum for me. Wow. Yeah, they're both great. <laughs> One's a great movie, other's a great movie. Two opposite ends of the spectrum. <laughs> like a full set. You know the thing, like, if you follow communism long enough, it becomes fascism type situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what it was. Exactly. If you, if you, if you make a music movie, make a music movie long enough, it becomes a good music movie, and it just becomes, you know, a good music movie. Exactly. It doesn't really track, but yeah, both great movies. Whiplash exactly. and La Land. And he's doing, what's his new one? It's, it's going to be another thing about L.A. Oh, he also did First Man with Gosling. First Gauze. Uh, Babylon, set in Hollywood during the did transition see, from silent films to talkies. Gauze is going to be in a new movie soon? Well, he's in Barbie. The, yeah, I just saw that this morning on the news. You didn't know that he was playing Ken? No, it's Margot Robbie, him, and then like Will Ferrell, a bunch of people. Like, no, I mean, I, I had no idea. I don't uh, I don't follow this stuff until it like is like hitting me in the face. So yeah, written and directed by Greta Gerwig of Little Women and yes. all Noah Baumbach stuff. So yeah, it's gonna be great. Yeah, very excited. Joe, next week we have Fast and Furious number four. Beautiful. Gosling also gonna be in a movie called The Gray Man on Netflix this year, directed by the Russo brothers who did the Avengers: Infinity War and stuff like that. Like they became the the MCU Avengers guys. Gosling, Chris Evans, Ana de Armas. When the CIA's top asset is identity known to no one, uncovers agency secrets, he triggers a global hunt by assassins set loose by his ex-colleague, starring Ryan Gosling, in his return to filmmaking. Oh. This summer, I think. But, yeah, next week is Fast and Furious, so we're back on that grind. Cool. But the next pit stop we're going to do, which I will announce next week, I have not seen. This is a patron pick, so I have high hopes for it. But again, after Heat and Point Break, it's it's hard to keep up the momentum. I love heist movies. You love heist movies. Rachel loves heist movies. Like, we're going to find fun ones, right? Like, For sure. Like, they might not be as great as Heat and Point Break, but, like, I love heist movies. Like, I'm sure that I'll enjoy a bunch of them no matter what, just in general. Yeah, and this is a patron pick. And one that I've been looking forward to, and also one that when I asked Bob, I'm like, what heist movie should we do for the show that I probably haven't heard of? This was on his short list. Oh, so I think, you that's know, cool. Good. The patron and a Bob recommendation, because nice. he sees as many movies as I do or whatever. Yep, yep, yep. Um, but for all things Too Fast, Too Forever, go to cageclub.me, facebook.com, slash Too Fast, Too Forever, or at Too Fast, Too Forever on Twitter and Instagram. Email us, family at cageclub.me. Check out our Patreon page and vote for Bodie at TooFast2Forever.com and our store at TooFast2Forever.shop and come back next week for Fast and Furious for the 11th time. I'm Joey Lewandowski. I'm Joe Too. And we will tell you all about it. We'll see you.